Welcome everybody. Hey, this is Michael Outlaw, your host. This is going to be a short episode, kind of a different episode. I got a couple things I want to talk about. Um, I've got some um, stuff that, you know, have you developed your skill enough to where you can sniff out a fake? A lot of people are getting taken advantage of right now and it's really kind of bothering me how you got a lot of these scammers that are making a good living on our hard working dollar. I mean, it's crazy what people will do. Let me tell you a little story what happened to me this week. Um, you know, somebody's really trying to get one over on me. It's just crazy what people will do. <laughs> Welcome, everybody. Hey, I just kind of want to give you a little bit of heads up and a little bit of warning for small businesses out there that um, there's a lot of scammers out there, a lot of people that are trying to um, really, really get one over on us. And this is kind of what happened to me. So I just kind of want to warn you and just kind of let you know kind of what's going on with some new type of scamming. You know, what they'll do is, here's the new scam, is they'll send you a cashier's check and they will hope, like cashiers take a little bit longer for the bank to be able to clear your account. Like it will be in your account and it'll show you that the bank, that the check has been deposited. But <laughs> this is where it gets you. Um, you know, in a week or so, that check will go void and they will pull the money back out of that account. And, you know, so heads up. So when you deposit it, you'll look at it, you'll say, okay, it's good. You know, the check has been deposited. I can go ahead and send whatever I'm going to send. But what happens is it, it just, it, it, it winds up being void. And this is a little bit of a story. What happened to me, um, this week, you know, with a, a scam, there's a lot of scams going out there and I've been doing this long enough to where I can kind of sniff them out. And one of the things is what happened is it's like this guy found a drum online and he loved it. He loved it. And he didn't want to buy it where I was selling it at. He wanted to uh, mail me a check by it. And this, I mean, I've had people do this before and you can do it, but I try to really make it easy where people can just click and buy off the site and I don't even have to even worry about it. But what he did is he me he, he messaged me and was like, hey, you know, he only deals with this right here. Can he, what's your address so I can send you a cashier's check? And, you know, so it's a FedEx truck came with a envelope, you know, and he had a tracking on it. So he knew exactly when I got it. So he messaged me, hey, your check's there. Can you go ahead and deposit it immediately? And he said, I accidentally wrote it for more than what the drum was worth just go ahead and deposit the whole thing in your account um you know and ask me if the drum was ready to ship i thought well no the drum's not ready to ship because i have to build it still so i don't think he realized that um but he was like hey just go ahead and um uh, deposit the check and go ahead and ship the drum and um and if you want just go ahead and just uh you can forward me the extra cash minus like a hundred bucks for the inconvenience and I was like, man, this smells so fishy. So I got to thinking about it. I was like, you know what? You don't have to send me the correct amount. You need to send me the correct amount. So you need to send me another check, so I'll do it. Because I'm not gonna, because when you deposit that check into the bank, it takes a little while for it to clear. Uh, especially a cashier's check, it's done a little different. It's not like a debit or a check, a regular check. You know, It's not like instant. Um, it takes a little bit more time. Um, and that's kind of what they do. They'll they'll hope that you'll go ahead and send the product, and then when the check clears, boom, he's got the other. He's got half the cash. So what I did is I was just like, man, look, 
I uh, you need to send me the, the correct amount. He said, just fine, go ahead and deposit it. I was like, look, man, my bank recommends me not depositing these type of checks because of scammers. <laughs> and that's the last I heard of them. <laughs> that was the last. I knew it was a scam. You know, so be careful, small businesses out there, man. There are people that are actively trying to steal your hard-earned money. And it's not cool. It's not cool. Um, jam sessions, man. I had some really great jam sessions here the past couple days. And it's really cool to be able to just start jamming with a bass player. Um, get a good bass player that plays solid, man, and just get into a, a groove together. No other music, you know. And literally just jam for 20 minutes and just kind of go to song to song to song and just practice and practice. And, you know, I got some guys that helped me in the shop, man. And a lot of them play music. And a lot of them are very good. And, you know, when we start jamming, and it's something about, you know, when you start creating music. So I think it's very important to kind of dedicate some time um, to be able to start practicing and start kind of, because we can kind of get in a rut, you know, especially if we don't practice with um, anybody else. I mean, you don't have to practice with anybody else, but it just feels better. It feels like a, a more like a community when other people come to jam and, you know, you figure out different roles and, I'm, you know, so it's, it's definitely super, super fun. Um, so I'm going to do something a little bit different right here. This is something different that I've never really done before. Um, I've been working in the shop a lot here lately, um, doing a lot of edges. And I don't know if you're a woodworker or love to hear the sound of wood being sanded. And if you don't like the way wood being sanded is, you might want to turn this episode off right now because we're fixing to go into chill out mode. Um, I'm going to let you hear what the edges sound like getting sanded. Now, what I do on these edges here is the outside is a, a quarter inch radius trimmed down to about 316. The inside is a 45 and it drives it right to a sharp point. And what I want to do is I want to take the sandpaper and I'm going to go around these edges. I really want to dial it in. So what you're going to be hearing for the next few minutes is me um, completely getting lost in, <laughs> in the mode of bearing edge sanding. This is an amazing thing here. So it's kind of different here, a little different little episode, a little fun episode. But I just kind of want to inspire everybody, you know, because the goal here is always to um, educate, motivate, and to inspire. You know, you can do this, man. You can do this. A lot of people are, I feel like a lot of people are watching you. A lot of people are seeing how, you know, they're gonna, they're, they're waiting to see if you're gonna fail. You know, a lot of people are. I wanna encourage you to say, you know, you got this, man. You got this, you can do it. You don't need anybody else to dictate what you're gonna do. You are a strong person. You are created in the image of God. And you have a lot more power, man, than you even think, you know. Um, but I hope you enjoyed this last few little uh, minutes of this right here. And just be careful, everybody, with the scammers, because it is insane what people try to do for a dollar, man. It is. They'll sell the soul for a dollar. And, you know, they work. They work. And it, what gets me is people work so hard. They'll work so hard to not work. It'll work so hard to not work. I know a lot of people that do that, man. They'll just 
you know, they try to be illegal and try to, and, and wonder why they're miserable and depressed and down. And, you know, yeah, I'm telling you, man, when you stay motivated, when you stay confident, when you have goals set every day, like for instance, I set goals every day of what I want to get done that day. And I really try my best to meet those goals because it gives me peace at the end of the night when I lay down, I can be happy. I don't have to be mad and depressed and down because of the fact that I didn't get done what I should have gotten done. And that's, we're kind of worse on ourselves anyhow, aren't we? I mean, we're kind of, I feel like, you know, between, it's between our two ears, you know, is, is the thing that we struggle the most with is the fact that we are so hard. We beat ourselves up so much. We don't need nobody else to beat us up. We beat ourselves up. And a lot of times it's because we do not do the goals that we've set. We don't. We, we got goals. We got to say, okay, I want to do this today or that today. But when we don't achieve those goals, man, it just messes us up. It, it does something to us, and it just uh, it, it puts you in a bad mood. So the best thing is go ahead and get on up, get that stuff done that you know what has to be done, and call it a day. And enjoy your afternoon, enjoy your night, and you know that way you can really relax and and actually have a little bit of peace. Enough with that. Here's some serious bearing edge wood sanding coming up. Just want to give you a little romance session of what a drum sand, getting the bearing edges or getting sanded sounds like. Um, so I'm just going to be quiet for a little bit and I'm going to let you listen to me sand this pine uh, drum shell. You know, the goal here is to, you know, think about this. Bearing edges, especially old vintage strums that the edge has been sitting on, that, that the, the drum head has been sitting on those edges for years, just resonating, moving back and forth, kind of like what I'm doing right now. Just moving. Um, and what it does, it actually flattens that edge some. And over the years of playing, that edge gets flat. That's why vintage drums have a very nice warmth about it. Because the edges has kind of been worn down. There's more contact touching the drum head. So in return, gives a more of a warmer, more of a vintage sound. Um, and that's kind of what I'm doing here. I'm just really flattening down these edges and getting them dialed in. Um, it's an amazing thing. That's kind of the goal. That way they, it, it sounds vintage right from the beginning. Thank <laughs> you. 
Yeah. I like that. Mm-hmm. Now it's sitting there. This is the part that I'm, I like it. I call it going around the mountain. Basically, it just goes circle, circle, circles around the very, very top edge. Um, just a bunch of times around. Uh, basically, what it's doing is just as I keep bringing the grit up, you know, starting off with 220 and bringing the grit up um, to around about 600 to 1,000 grit and finishing it up with four alt steel wool. Um, this is kind of the process that I'm doing right here. Yes, that is a smooth edge. <laughs> yeah, man, that was kind of fun. That was kind of fun. It's different, I know. Like, dude, what are you thinking? What are you thinking about doing? Oh my God, I just want to try some different stuff. Some people like to hear stuff like that. I know I do. Sometimes I don't want to hear no talking. I just want to get lost in what I'm doing and enjoy nature and you know and it's the little things that get gratification with you know that's the little things you gotta start really paying attention i think it's all in the details everything's in the details the fine details life happens in those little details you know stuff that we just kind of skim over this is a part of my day you know and if I can help one person out there, it, it, it really means the world to me. You know, my goal is always to um, want to inspire, you know, want to um, educate and want to just kind of give you the confidence to be able to go for it because you can do this, man. You can do this. You got this, period. You know, a lot of people are, um, they're scared to move forward. They're scared of what everybody else thinks because they don't want to make a move because they're just worried about what people are going to say and what people are going to think, you know. And at the end of the day, you know, think about it. Five years from now, does it even matter? Ten years from now, does it matter? All right, think about this. A hundred years from now, does it matter? No, it don't. There's a good chance that it don't, you know. If it's not going to affect you, you know, five, ten years from now, it does not matter. I could not tell you. Um, and I don't even look at, you know, negative stuff like that. I don't. I just kind of skim over it, and I just kind of get lost in my zone, you know. So I want you to get lost in your zone. Whatever you may be doing, you may be painting a car, you know. Um, you got some really good friends of mine that are, are sick right now, you know. And I feel like, you know, that's not a really good thing because... You know, my good friend, you know, Keith Montgomery, he has COVID, you know, and every, a lot of people has COVID. And it's, I had it I had it a couple of weeks ago. I'm starting to really feel better now. My energy is starting to come back. It's been a couple of weeks after. I've, I mean, I'm still not 100%, it feels like, but I am getting better. But, uh, man, listen, dude, you freaking got this, man. Oh, my gosh, you really do. And 
you know, if you want to, let me know what you want to hear on this show here. Let me know what kind of, um, what kind of episode would you like to hear? And just want to say thank you guys so much for listening to another episode. I know I apologize. It's kind of a short episode. It's about 20 minutes or so, but listen, um, just got a lot of stuff going on in the shop. I got that, um, I got a new Airbnb stuff going. I've been really kind of working on, um, hosting different people coming down and uh, staying at the shop. I mean, it's literally being booked every single night. It is insane. So it's, that's kind of been, that's kind of has my attention here in the past couple weeks. And I apologize in advance, but I just want to say it's going to get better. I love you. And just keep looking forward because I'm going to tell you, time changes everything. How you feel right now, you're going to feel different tomorrow. You know, even maybe in 15 or 20 minutes, you're going to feel different. You know, everything moves. Everything is, it kind of goes in and out. So, just hang in there. It'll come around. Peace, guys. This is Michael Outlaw, your host. Um, this is season two, episode number six. Um, if we're first time meeting, I want to say welcome. Thank you for listening to the episode. Um, here today, you know, the goal is always want to um, educate, motivate, and to inspire. And there's a lot of things kind of going on with people in a rut and people not really getting where they want to be at. Um, is it from the drums or how whatever kind of goals a lot of people have in this um, episode we're going to dive kind of deep into some practical applications that can be used um, to kind of help pull you out of this thing and get you back to where you're focused and get your back where you're really um, enthused on what you're doing because enthusiasm we can lose it so easy you know why is it some days we feel you know so enthused and why is it some days that other days we just feel like giving up why is that you know and we're going to talk about this on this episode of the process i think a lot of people are not talking about this enough it's kind of like the elephant in the room and i'm gonna shine some attention to it on this episode of the process coming up You know, I know how hard this is to get out of a rut. You know, sometimes when you get into a rut, it's very hard to get out of it. And sometimes, you know, we used to ride dirt roads a lot back in the day and we'd get stuck in these big old gigantic ruts at these tractors and these big gigantic trucks. And sometimes you have to get extra help to get pulled out. Well, today we're gonna to talk about getting pulled out of the rut to get you pumped, to get you fired up, to be able to move forward on your goals, on your dreams. You know, the pandemic has affected a lot of people and it's it's hard to, I don't know if it's the pandemic or what kind of things, but people are, they're down right now. They're depressed. They're 
having a hard time. And this episode here, I want to encourage, inspire, and to motivate you. Get off your tail. I mean, do you remember when you were little, when you're very excited to go to like the pet store or the bike shop or something at your music store, something that you were really into and how that excitement just flowed over and you were so happy. You know, why can't we tap into those corners and those chapters? And I feel like we can, but it's a mindset. I feel like the first steps to notice, you got to start noticing when you're when, when you're in a rut. You know, a lot of times people don't even notice it. And they don't pay attention to it until it's too late. So you really want to kind of start paying attention to some of the issues and some of the things that have, you know, that are pulling you down. You know, I think when you can identify with that, that's going to be one of the first steps was recognizing when you're actually in a rut. You know, I feel like a lot of people, they bite off more than they could chew and they try to tackle way too much. I think the really the key is in small increments, small little steps. It's going to really win the race. I mean, one of the things that I kind of started to do in my life is I started dedicating about 10 minutes every single day to just straightening up a particular mess, you know, straighten up or tidying up an area, um, make sure that, you know, you have everything kind of um, put up, you know, because here's the thing, it's hard to get motivated and stay motivated when there's a big, a lot of distraction, a lot of mess, you know, it's, it kind of works like our brains, but, you know, if there's a mess outside and there's like, it, you know, the shop's completely messy, there's going to be a hard, there's going to be a good chance that your your mind is going to be on that same step. It's going to be just loose things everywhere. And I think dedicating that specific time to tidying up your area is massive. And not only that, it's teaching little ones and teaching other ones too uh, how important it, it is to be able to start um, pulling that. And I think that's one step that's very important to getting yourself out of a rut. A lot of things in my life here kind of, you know, it rolls around to where I'll have so many loose ends, like so many little things to do that it'll just kind of overwhelm me and I'll just kind of want to get throw my hands up and it's like, all right, I'm not doing anything. And it just kind of goes back to the basics of just kind of picking up small things, small increments, you know, those are, that's how you're going to win the race is the increments, the small things. It's not doing, you know, the big mass that we kind of want to think, well, well, you know, we want to just have a whole week to be able to a lot of times you don't have a whole week to do particular jobs you got x amount of time so little things little increments but doing it right you know so you're not having to go back and redo it and redo it basically having a task get that task done to the best of your capabilities and move to the next one even if it's just small things you know um you know just to kind of give you an example i've been you know, producing music here lately, but a lot of times I don't have um, all day long to work on one song. I'm gonna have just increments. So what I do, I go in and I work on just one particular thing, you know, at a time. I'll go in and, and you know, I all the time got projects going on. So I'll go in and work on the hi-hat, work on, get the hi-hat down, work on the kick and work on the snare. And once I get that moved on, I can kind of keep moving over to, putting instruments on the track and you know it's these little things I pretend I like to you know when you're producing music you know to record something and let it wait anyhow so that's one thing 
I feel like can possibly help is just small increments win the race. You know, I feel like too, even if you're a drummer that, you know, is trying to stay, stay trying to stay practiced up, you know, and there's a lot of distractions going on. And a lot of times drummers, they don't even practice only just when it's time to play and they're, you know, it's time to rehearse, you know, with the group of people. I feel like if you're really passionate about drums, you need to be putting in the time ahead of time. You need to be putting in the extra time. You know, and it boils down to how serious are you? How serious are you? Are you a drummer that just really um, wants to just hold a spot? Are you a drummer that wants to push that band's limit? You know, because a lot of times when you're in bands, you're going to have different musicians that are on different skill levels. And depending on your skill level, that can, you know, it can boost the bands um, to make them really sound amazing. You know, if you have a really good bass player and, you know, he's just constantly pushing the bar, um, you're going to you're going to step up your drum and you're going to be wanting to become a better drummer. And that's kind of how you're going to be a, an amazing group is when everybody's on the same page and everybody's serious about it, you know, and it all boils down to small increments. Don't think you got to have a full day of practice to kind of keep to, for that month or whatever. Sit down behind the kit for five minutes a day, 10 minutes a day. I mean, I know a lot of drummers that actually do it for an hour a day, you know, that sit down, practice, and serious about practicing. They're not just you know, throwing the sticks around here and there. They're actually sitting down, working on the rudiments, working on their weaker hand, um, working on their technique, working on their doubles. You know, and a lot of times you don't even have to be sitting at the drums to be able to practice. You can literally do it with your hands and your feet, just kind of keeping that rhythm going, keeping it solid, you know, keeping those things going. And it's also, you know, really hanging around the right people. You know, that's going to be a big, if you're hanging around people, if you members of your band, are they dragging you down? You know, you, a lot of times people will have band members that will push them down and keep them in a rut, you know, because you got one person in your band that's like wants to be late to the shows or wants to be late to the practice. And he's just not putting in the effort. And you guys know who I'm talking about. You know, a lot of times there's people like that in the band. They at first very excited. Life happens. The drummer gets into a rut, the bass player, the guitar player, whoever gets into a rut and they're just it's not important to them no more you know hey i got this job going on that job most musicians work full-time gigs somewhere else a lot of them do. very rarely can you have a musician that's full-time full-time you know <clears throat> those are possible but staying focused and staying pushed and staying motivated i feel like is very 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 important I mean, and you may even have to have a conversation with some of your bandmates and be like, hey, man, I think that, but here's the thing too, a lot of times they have the ego and you can't really, it's hard to confront that, you know, how do you confront that? And I feel like, you know, if you really want to confront it and don't really want to say anything to mess up a friendship, it's just kind of lead by example, lead by example, you know, that's going to be the key, you know, spending the extra time. To make sure everything is dialed in is going to help you stay focused, motivated, and number one, it's going to keep everybody else in the band. You know, there's an old saying that you know you got one bad apple, it will spoil the whole pretty fast. You know, the whole group of apples really fast, and it's because once one of them starts to rot and decay, it spreads like wildfire, and before you know it, every one of them is 
rotted very quickly versus if, if you see something happening go ahead and pull that apple out pull it out just isolate it for a minute you know get it back where it needs to be cut that spot out and stick it back you know that's kind of what we got to do with this thing you know how serious are you how serious do you want this you know staying motivated and staying pumped staying in the right frame of mind is massive because i feel like a lot of it too is psychology it's it's right between our ears you know we a lot of people deal with a lot of times it's not with everybody else it's ourselves you know we're hard on ourselves we are so hard on ourselves you know this person ain't doing that that person ain't doing that and i feel like i'm not good enough or whatever we are so hard on ourselves and i'm gonna just tell you you gotta learn to love yourself and that may just take stopping for a second walking over to the mirror just looking at the mirror and just you know what you know the odds for you being here today you know the odds are one in 400 trillion trillion go outside and look around I mean look at the DNA look at the trees look at the grass I mean look can we make anything can we make a piece of dirt we can't make nothing so I feel like it really needs to start with kind of gratitude at first look at the gratitude look how special it is to have a conscience and have you know conscience is one of the, the very most important thing you can have to be conscious to be able to experience different things I mean so many times people look at bad things like it's you know the worst terrible thing that could ever happen when really a bad thing is just a different experience you know life is full of experiences good we want to classify them all as you know categorizing them as good and bad you know but if we can start categorizing just kind of it's just different a different experience makes up a massive amount of space i think it's another thing too i think it's all about consciousness and a lot of the times I feel like we're in a rut too because we've been listening to our mind too much. Our mind does not stop. And here's what it does. It always jumps from one thing to another. That's why I believe that you're not your thoughts. You're not your thoughts. You know, your thoughts just kind of come up. They come up, they run, and we go with it. Your consciousness goes with your thoughts. So when we can kind of take a break from the massive... I mean, sometimes I feel like I'm standing in the middle of a highway and just cars are just zooming by and that's the thoughts. And it's just, all you gotta do is just take one of them, for example, and boom, you know, and there's just so many distractions. I feel like we need time to be able to um, relax that. You know, if we had, if we didn't, have, that stuff takes energy. It takes energy to go down those paths, those trails, and it pulls you away from your goals. You know, it pulls you away from your energy, and those, and that's just why one of the reasons why you get bogged down, is because you're focusing so much on your mind and your thoughts. You know, and I want to recommend uh, meditation. You know, ten minutes in the morning, ten minutes at night, just to really focus, sit, focus, and just kind of watch your breath. I mean, I know it kind of sounds a little crazy, just watching your breath. It seems really boring. But what it does, it pulls, it kind of prioritizes and it starts, you can start watching your breath. And when you're watching your breath, you know, and just think about it. Uh, when you're watching your breath, you're not thinking about what you have to do and 10 other things. I mean, it will drift back to that. It's very hard, it's very difficult to actually start thinking like this, you know, because we haven't been doing this, you know. 
literally just kind of separate separate yourself i mean a lot of the the saints and the prophets i mean think about it you know they would all go out and you know and use this time for prayer something to pull your consciousness pull your mind from running like crazy comes all the thoughts i mean it's just it will not stop how do you make them stop well you, you make them they're not going to stop you just have to quit bringing attention to it and quit grabbing it when it comes up you know your thoughts that's why your thoughts they just come up you don't know where they come from i don't know where they come from they just come up you know and we have the opportunity to go with that or let it pass you know that's why you know you think about how the whole creation started you know um, either you believe that god uh, spoke it into existence or however um, you know i feel like you know god put a bunch of laws in place and these laws are actually you know if we don't drink we're gonna die i mean it's pretty simple so but you do not have to follow every single little thought that comes up it wears you out it wears you out it pulls your distraction it pulls your focus your mind is constantly wanting to solve problems and constantly things are going i mean we're we're, that's that's where the battle starts is right there i mean it sometimes it feels like we have a couple you know we're listening to a lot of voices in our head we're listening to um, don't do this do this and it's just like what and where we put our conscience at where our focus is going to be at we got to be focused on what we want very deliberate all right so here's the thing too if you're not aiming for something what's the chance you're going to hit it what's the chance you're going to hit a target if you're not aiming at it most people they want to hit that target but they're not even trying to aim for it they're just whatever and just shooting the gun randomly and hoping to hit the target as stupid as that sounds that's exactly what a lot of people do they just kind of look and all of a sudden they'll just be um, you know what's the chances of them hitting it it's slim so being very deliberate and being very deliberate of what you want to do i think it's one of the first steps to get pulled out of the way and sometimes we need a little bit of help and that's kind of what I want to do. I want to motivate, educate, and even to inspire you guys, man. I just really I feel like um, there's a lot of people with just great, great potentials that just need a little bit of pushing a little bit. You know, we all need a little bit of pushing. I need a little bit of pushing sometimes. You know, I got my mentors that I talk to that help me, um, you know, and I'm not saying that every day is wonderful. It's not. It's definitely not. It's definitely hard. Life is hard, you know. And I feel like the more, the more that I'm able to learn to let things go, the better I am. The better drummer I am, the better father, husband, um, those things play a huge role. So when you think about this, think about it as, you know, these things are, they have the potential to pull you down. All right. When we're worrying about stuff. You know, what does worry do? What does worry do? I mean, what has it ever done for you? Worrying about something. Has it ever done anything for, for you at all? Ever? I mean, all but just give you gray hairs and just stress you out. And I think to sum this up, you know, you just got to learn to relax away from your mind. And we're going to talk about this a little deeper because a lot of people are struggling, man. A lot of people are struggling. A lot of people are, they're just having a hard time right now. And... When we listen to our minds so much, 
it can weigh us down. It, I mean, I feel like that's the thing right there. That's why people commit suicide is they listen to their mind so much. They got to be able to let things go. You don't have to listen to it. You know, just give you a little example. You know, you can be uh, in the forest, in the woods, you know, and literally um, can't see the trees because you're in the forest. You know, it's kind of like that. When you have a, sometimes it's just right there, real obvious. They're so close, they're so close, but yet you cannot see it. It's just like, I don't even see it right now. I'm so close to it. It's because, you know, you got to pull yourself out for a second. Just stop. You have to stop. Pull yourself out. Go sit down somewhere. Go find, go put you a chair somewhere in the woods or go out back or just go sit in your car, you know, and turn everything off and just focus on your breath for 10 minutes and just be thankful. Just like, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Whatever you want to say thank you for, just thank you. Look at your hands. Look at the what it takes to even be here. You know, look at that. Look how what the chances are, are that you're even here. I mean, the odds are just it is stacked up again. It shouldn't happen, really. That's why it just shouldn't happen. It's just too great. Um, focus on that, you know, because we're only going to be here for a little while, guys. And you want to spend the time griping, moaning, and groaning, and trying to get out of a rut? No. We want to be motivated, pumped, and inspired, and always want to be pushing forward. And I think that we need to hear this, man. We need to hear. So if you're in a rut today, if you're really having a hard time holding on, and you're even thinking about committing suicide or whatever, I just want to encourage you to just stop for a minute and quit entertaining that lower self. Let it, let it fall. Drop it. Drop it. You know, when these thoughts come up, don't give them attention. That's why. You know, we tend to, whatever whatever um, is loudest is what will give the most attention. When, and, and I want you to really look at this. And now, I want you to hear me for a second. And I don't care what has happened to you in the past. I don't care what has happened to you in the past. I want you to say thank you. I want you to thank you. Thank you for those things that happened. Well, and you say, oh, I can't say thank you to you, Michael. I got, you know, you know, my, my daughter died or, you know, this happened or, you know, my, my wife left me, my husband left me. I can't say thank you. These things, they hurt so bad. And I'm going to just go ahead and tell you, hang in there, man. It's going to get easier. You know, it's one of these things that as we move forward in life, you know, and just those are the things that's going to push you to the max you know it's only when we hit our edges hit our max is when we grow and think of it like this when we are pushed to the max those are the opportunities that when we're going to grow that's how we're going to grow is these edges those are the things that happened to you in the past that shaped you who you are now quit quit labeling as good and bad quit labeling as good and bad we need to hear this thing guys quit labeling these things as good and bad. And I know I'm really not wanting to get on to you a lot this week. <laughs> you know, it's just been a little crazy, you know. And I'm this is something too. This is not something that you do just whenever. You do it every day, every single day. You know, this is a spiritual walk here. This is you gotta learn to let things go and not let things bother you so much because there's always something around the corner that's gonna weigh you down. When we can focus on when we can focus on other things it's gonna be good you're gonna be a lot happier 
when you can be a loss. A lot of times, you know, people are not present. You know, people are trying to tell you something and you're constantly, you ever been talking to somebody and you know they're not listening to you. They're steady waiting for, say something, you know, waiting for their next, for you to stop talking long enough so they can say something. They're not hearing what you're saying. You don't want to be that person. You want to listen and you want to feel that person. You want to be wrapped up in what they're feeling and what their emotion and be involved in that. But a lot of times we can't because we're so wrapped up on our mess. You know, we're wrapped up on what we got to do with this and that, and blah, blah, blah. You know, it's when we can start focusing on the others and when we can start. And I know it's like, hey, Mike, I thought this podcast was going to be about drums and drumming and that kind of stuff. But it is. It is. It rolls around this. I'm just talking about the elephant in the room that nobody's really wanting to talk about. You know, these are things that save people's lives. And these are the things that cause people to quit and give up and commit suicide. we got to be right mentally. we got to be right mentally before we can go at this thing. You know, what's the chances of, us, of even us becoming a famous drummer? we got to be able to just have fun with this thing, you know. And if we're just, you know, we can only be happy if we're famous or that's not it. You know, you have to enjoy and love the process of it. You have to be obsessed with the process. That's why I call this show The Process because it is, it's all about the process. You know, it's when you get to that end point, you know, we got to be careful because now what's next? What's coming up next? You know, what's next in your chapter? What's next in your life? And these are very important things, you know. I feel like what what, I, what happened to a lot of times is like you'll be that person that, you know, everybody kind of wants to come and talk to and you'll be that person that, you know, everybody wants to come tell their problems to and this and that. And But we got to be careful about letting people in our space because here's the thing. A lot of people are sick and a lot of people have inside agendas that, you know, they... They're wolves and they dress like sheep clothing. And I can tell you from experience that these people are very, they're very slick. They're very persuasive and they look just like, oh my gosh. So there's a good chance if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. It probably is. Um, and that's just some of the things that I've learned over the years. You know, if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. You know, if people... And that's what the biggest thing is. You remember what one of the commandments that Jesus gave us? You know, these are the commandments that we have to be able to love people. We want to love people. We want to help people. We want to help them. We want to make sure. We want to pull them out of the rut, man. We want to pull them out of the rut. And we want them to succeed and go and reach the world, man. And, you know, that's kind of what it's about. It's, you can't you can't talk to anybody when you're down, depressed, and miserable. I mean, here's the thing too. I mean, listen, I know a lot of church folks that go to church every Sunday that are so miserable, and they are dedicated you know, to this. Miserable, miserable, and a lot of times they're doing all these acts and services out of guilt, not for a general reason. You know, I feel like I've always just kind of you know want to help people or want to influence people and want to um, just set people on the right path. It just brings me great joy to see other people happy. Now, here's the thing too. You got to be careful because you're going to get attract a lot of people because it's, it's like this, you know, when you start being that light 
you know, people are going to start migrating to you. They're going to just come to you. And you're going to have to be able to decipher and discern because you're going to be fast with it. Um, I've learned a lot of quick lessons over the years of people that I let in my space and people I don't let in my space. You know, a lot of people, they'll, they'll have inside agendas in mind. And just being able to fast to be able to discern that. Not to say I don't want to help them too, because I do. But those are the ones that, you know, a lot of times you can't even get a word out your mouth. So if you learned anything this week, I want to kind of encourage and encourage and inspire you to just start taking some time and start being able to not chase down every single little thought that comes into your mind. It wears you out. It wears you out. Start learn to start letting things go. Let it things go. Oh, it bothers me. Let it go. Let it go. Don't think about it. Do not even give it a little bit of thought. Let it go. It just trips me out, man. People say they let stuff go and they don't. And I struggle with this too. You got to let it go. And how do we let it go? We let it go by don't bring attention to it. Don't think about it. Focus. Bring your attention somewhere else. If you feel like you just can't stop doing just start focusing on your breath for a second. Just sitting there, just focus on your breath for five minutes or a minute or however long. Just practice it. And I think setting up a particular time every day is very important. I have an alarm set on my phone where at 9.50 every single day, I stop what I'm doing. And I go and I just kind of, I owe it to myself. I owe it to myself to just give that time to show my appreciation, to show my thanks, to pray, or whatever I want to do. But that time is owed to me. That's my time. Nobody else. It's mine. And it's kind of like, that's how you recharge your battery. And it'll help you get pulled out of a rut. It really will. And get around the right people. Stay around the people that influence you and people that want to motivate you and help you and push you. You know, and if, if it's somebody that's not really pushing you out of your comfort zone, I want to challenge you to start hanging out with some people that push you and make you, you know, kind of pull you out of your comfort zone because that's where you grow. It's all about, I'm a drummer, man. It's all about those edges. You know, if those edges are done right. You want to push right to the edge where you're com not comfortable. You know, the edges of where the magic happens. So I really hope this episode here will kind of help pull you out of a rut and some sort of a rut that you're into to kind of even maybe just uh, bring a little sign of glimmer to it. Some people's ruts are a lot deeper than other people's for sure. Um, so I hope this episode was able to help and inspire anybody to kind of pull themselves out. Just want to say thank you everybody for listening to another episode of The Process hosted by yours truly, Michael Outlaw. And this brings me great joy. And until next time, I love you guys so much. Patreon's over there. I love you guys. we got so much stuff kind of going on. We're fixing to do um, a giveaway on a bottle cap drum that we just we just got finished doing. And we're going to donate the proceeds to a really cool, a special event. I'm about to tell you about this later on. But it actually is going to be really cool because it's going to involve in original music. I'm really inspired by uh, original music and some of the efforts that you know, people put into making songs and making music and, you know, I feel like original music is so not brought enough attention to. Um, so we're going to do a giveaway with original music in mind. I'm going to tell you more about this very, very soon. And so y'all stay tuned for more about this, but I love you guys. Peace.
Yes. Welcome, everybody. So you may want to stick around to the end of this episode because we're giving away a special gift in this episode somewhere. This is season two, episode eight. We got a special guest on the show. Yes, listen to those toms. Talking about innovative. I got a really special guest on the show today, and you're going to be blown away at some of the things that he does. Micah Doring from Cast Drumcraft is on the show today. Educate, motivate, and inspire is the goal here. People need some encouragement today. I got an encouraging word today. Everybody has problems. Focus your attention on the solution, not the problem. When you change your mindset to what you focus on, amazing things start to happen. Trust me. Now let's talk some drum building. Today, hello everybody. This is Michael Outlaw, your host for the Outlaw Process. Today we have a really special guest on the show, uh, Mike, Micah Doring. He is the owner of Cast Drumcraft. And he's going to be on the podcast today, and we're going to ask him some questions. He's got some super innovative technologies. Some of the drums that he's making is, oh my gosh, it's crazy. I've never seen anything like it. Super innovative. And I want to welcome him to the show. Welcome, Micah. Hey, thanks for having me, Michael. I appreciate the intro. Yeah, man, dude, you That's are great. you are freaking amazing, man. I'm seeing some of the drums that you're creating, and oh my gosh, this thing, some of the drums that you're doing is is insane, brother. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, I'm just trying to be new, uh, trying to innovate, and it's kind of led me to what we're doing now. Um, do, do a lot of drum shells on the side, and, and then the newer stuff we're doing with the carbon snare drums, I'm, I'm trying to focus on that more as well. Those carbon drums, oh my gosh, and we're going to get more into that in just a little bit, but oh my gosh, I've got to hear more about those drums there because I've never seen anything like it before, and, and a lot of people haven't either, you know, and well, I guess I'm, what really I'm so inspired about is how it's just so original, and there's just nothing else like it, what you're doing. Um, yeah, I, I see Thank this you. I see this brand getting, I mean, I see it being mega, I see it being mega, and um, just the the... The perfection with each shell just seems seems really really cool. So tell me, so how'd you get started with doing drums, man? Let's back up just a little bit, and yeah. I want to know um, just some of your history and some of the uh, how. Well, how'd you get started building drums? Well, I've played drums since I was six. Started out in uh, you know grade school band class, all the way up to concert percussion, jazz band, marching band, pep band, all that stuff, and. Uh, it really started in wood shop in, in ninth grade. Um, we all had to do projects, and I decided I wanted to build a snare drum. Um, so my dad and I, we built the first snare drum. It was a vertical grain fur stave drum, and sounded awesome, and I played it in high school. Um, and then, you know, I was kind of hooked at that point. I didn't know it yet. But uh, right when I was going to go graduate, it was like, well, what are you going to do with your life? You're going to go to college? what are you going to do? Well, I wanted to start a business building drums. So after that first vertical grain fur drum, and, uh, after I got out of high school, I was like, well, I just want to at least take a, take a shot at building drums. So I started just doing whatever I could. I, I was inspired really by, uh, 
a lot of the SJC stuff I was seeing, a lot of the custom work they were doing and following along with them. So I kind of just, I had, I had a few drum shells laying around that I built and I would just dress them up with different hardware, you know, uh, take that off, wrap them, put different hardware on it. It kind of built a, a little inventory. It was really like only four snare drums, but you know, it looked like I had probably 16 of them on there. Cause I was just doing different things. And, uh, <laughs> that's that's when it you know it it bit me and i i had to keep going and uh man i i had to get a real job though i i worked as an electrician while i was building drums for about seven years there and i uh, just kept going kept trying to build the brand after work on the weekends you know working out of the garage and uh eventually it got to the point where i, I couldn't even i couldn't stand it anymore because i was i had no free time I was just building drums and working construction. So I quit the electrician job and uh, went into it full time. Um, we had we had a lot of support from a, a brand called Doc Sweeney Drums. Um, Steve Stecker over at Doc Sweeney, he kind of put his put his whole faith behind us and and put us up in um, a commercial building so we could grow the brand and, and do shells for him. And, uh, since then, you know, I've just been going nonstop and we, we've been proud to produce the majority of all their steam vent stuff. And, uh, we, we still build for him, you know, every day, but I got to give a big shout out to him for helping us, helping me really take the jump from the garage into a, a commercial space. Yeah, man, I'm seeing your stuff and oh my gosh, cause a lot of this stuff here is what I've noticed. So most of your drums are steam bent. Yes. And um, and I and I really a- admire the whole CNC technology of literally the perfection with um, the technology goes behind that because I know that that was you should, that's not a machine that you can just go and buy somewhere you have to make the machine to do that. Yeah, yeah, and that was I guess with necessity comes innovation. Um, I, I was turning drums on a you know they call it a cocoa jig or a router jig yep. for years, you know, just sitting there turning and burning, getting covered in wood shavings. And <laughs> I just couldn't handle it anymore. And especially when we started doing the steam bend stuff, I just knew that we, we had to, we had to do something different. Um, and that's kind of when I started developing that, that CNC cutter, it's got a really long uh, Z axis reach. So it can go down, you know, 20 inches into these drum shells. Yeah, and man. It, cuts them very accurate and, and the glory of it all is i can be doing something else while it's working and it, i get a better product out of it than i would have you know, with my router jig so yeah that's a cool feeling to be able to see just walk away from it and be like man that's it's literally milling it out all the way from the so what size what size drums can you make oh i do stave drums i've done down to six inch up to 26 um our steam bent drums uh 10 inch all the way up to 26 Wow. Wow. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So it's a, so your it's a steam long piece of wood for steam under 26 inches. Yes. Oh my gosh. 26 inches is, is mega. So I'm asked, so like, if you're doing a 26 inch like kick drum or, or far, far as like the depth goes, do you have to be in like two pieces, two separate pieces of wood and then glue them together to get that depth? Yeah. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, the constraints are the wood for steam bending, you know, yeah. uh, very rarely will you ever find a nice piece of, of wood that's, you know, 16 to 18 inches wide by eight feet plus long that can just steam bend in one, one shot. Yeah. Uh, there's not a lot of wood out there like that. I'm sure you know. So, 
Um, yeah, and a lot of people don't know that, you know, that's pretty much standard for steam band drums when you're looking at bass drums and four toms. They're usually always jointed in the middle, and, and we like to book match them, you know. So t- start with the thicker piece of wood, cut it down the middle, fold it open like pages of a book, and then we join them with a uh, mortise and tenon joint. Yeah. Yeah, I saw that. Man, I'm just like so and so inspired by the technology and by the innovation. Now, I want to talk about this drum, this carving drum. Oh my gosh, this is insane. So it's literally where the lugs are made inside. On The lugs are made on, it's in the part of the wood that it's milled out. Yeah. What in the world? So tell me about this design. Tell me about the technology and just tell me the inspiration behind it. Well... Um, the inspiration behind it is uh, the PV Radio Pro drums that a lot of collectors are still seeking out to this day because they sound so good. Um, you know, those, the lugs are actually incorporated into the drum shell. Um, they look really weird, kind of like something out of a space movie or something. Um, so I, I saw those initially, and then another brand called uh, Phi, P H I. Um, back when I was, shoot, probably 18 or 19, I was looking at their stuff too. And uh, they actually did a drum shell with incorporated lugs. And you know, we're definitely not the first to do it, but um, those two companies kind of inspired us to put our spin on it, um, you know, kind of kind of make it look the way we wanted to make it look. And uh, yeah, it's, it's it's been a hit so far. You know, having, having the lugs carved into the drum shell, it, it cuts out a lot of the weight. You know, you don't have a, a steel lug post. Um, you can no lug gaskets. Um, you know, you get that impact energy from rim shots. It's kind of transferred directly into the drum shell. So it, it really is, it's a real bright kind of focused sounding snare drum that it creates. Yeah, it, I, I love it. When I first saw that drum on Instagram, I just, I fell in love with the design of it. Um, golly, I'm telling you, man, there's very few times I just have to stop. This was one of the times where I just had to stop and was just like, man, congrats on this, brother, because that is freaking awesome, man. That is awesome. Uh, thank you. Yes. Um, thank and it's, you. It's, yeah, they're tough to build, but um, I've, I've got orders for them now I'm working on, and luckily our customers are patient because it, it takes me forever to get them to I can imagine, man, because these, this ain't Sting been here. This is segmented, right? Segmented or stave? Uh, we, do, we do them in stave form okay. uh, because we... We just can't bend the wood thick enough. We have to start yeah. with an uh, inch and three-quarter piece of wood to, to actually mill the lug bodies from yeah. the shell. Yeah. Yeah. So, but, but what we've done is um, we found out in the process, because I first started doing them like a traditional stave with vertical grain, and uh, we, we, couldn't, we couldn't go that route because expansion and contraction, you know, it would, it would mess with the uh, offset of the lug posts, and it would bind up on the hoop. So we, we moved to a horizontal grain stave. So it's horizontal like a steam bent drum, but cut with staves. And to kind of uh, relax everybody on the, the idea that you can't glue in grain wood, we added a uh, interior re-ring top and bottom that's two-ply that bridges uh, all, the, all the seams on it. Yeah, man. People don't realize, man, how much stuff really goes into the the technology and just being able to understand how wood works. I mean, because I'm going to tell you, if you just was to go like steam, uh, stave on something like that, where the wood, like you said, comes and goes with the, the changes in humidity, man, but going horizontal like like you're talking really makes a stable a stable drum that doesn't move in like, like traditional vertical stave does. Yeah, yeah, and, and you know, for... 
for a traditional vertical stave drum with traditional hardware with like a, a swivel and lug post, it's no issue. You know, you just let your drum breathe yep. um, and you'll never have a problem. But for us, it, it, we have it, the lug post is solid, you know, and it's in it's carved into the drum. So we couldn't have the diameter moving at all. Otherwise, it would uh, result in tension rod splay. Yeah, I gotcha. I gotcha. Yeah, this CNC machine, man, is really, really amazing. Um, I'm definitely, um, I'm actually looking into it too, man. I'm actually kind of, I'm going to get with you here later on about maybe even doing me, doing me one, a, a CNC machine where I can do some of them. But, you know, that's kind of, yeah. that's kind of la later on. But right now, man, I'm just, um, I'm just admiring some of your stuff. So what else are you doing with these CNC machines? Are you doing hoops or anything like that? Yeah, man, I've done, um, well, drum shells, of course, but we do hoops. I uh, do hoop sizes all the way from 10-inch to 26-inch. Uh, we do the hide-a-hoop style for snare drums, so it has a, you know, a, a bass drum-style claw that goes over the hoop and then a flange that comes down and, and hides the actual uh, flange of your drum hoop, which is kind of cool-looking. Um, and then, really, I, I have three machines going daily, and uh, one of them I just use for, for scarf-joining drums, um, you know, for the steaming process, we'll, we'll throw like five, six, seven drums down on the table of it and just have it do a few passes to taper the ends of these boards to get them ready for steaming and bending. Hmm. Um, and then my other machine, the, the five axis machine, it, it cuts all the carbon snare drums. And, uh, yeah. And then I got the homemade one that just does pretty much, it runs all day doing steam bend and stave drums, just shaping, uh, you know, flat cylinders. Yeah. Yeah. I see when you were doing that, man. That's definitely, definitely pretty cool stuff. So tell me about the steam bending process, man. So you got to get your wood like super, super thin, or is it green, or how do you go about getting some of your wood? Uh, well, I always, always prefer air dried wood for okay. steam bending, but yeah, it's so hard to find it unless you're dealing with like a local arborist who cuts these trees down and you can get them before they go into the kiln. You know, you really can't find the stuff because. All the suppliers, they, they like to kiln dry it. Um, so we're kind of limited to what we can get there, but we do work with 99% kiln dry material. Um, but for us, the wetter, the better. You know, Preferably, I'd, I'd like a tree that just got cut down and we'll, we'll mill it right there and steam bend it. Uh, but when we're working with kiln dried wood, we actually have to resaturate it, you know, because mm -hmm. uh, when we get it, it's the moisture contents anywhere from five to 7%. Um, so we actually have to soak the boards and get them very wet so the heat will transfer properly in the steamer um you know if they're too dry and you put them in the steamer they won't heat as well they won't heat throughout the board and they end up usually just breaking and splitting so um a, a lot of the lead time is resaturating the wood because the kiln dried process dried it out you know so thoroughly and we kind of have to reverse that yeah what I need to do, man, I need to send you some wood. Like when we saw up some, sometimes we'll get some maple logs, some walnut logs that I'll saw up and it'll be completely green, ready to go, like wet. I need to get up with yeah. you and I'll send you some stuff, man. And uh, that, that would definitely be, be pretty cool because sometimes I'll... Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> I got to ask this question, man. Have you, I mean, because I know from just being a builder that a lot of the times, like we may be building a, um, a custom drum and... A lot of times it'll bust or it'll break, and I'll have to start completely over. Now, I can just imagine if one of those things was to loosen up, especially milling the inside of one of your drums. Have you ever had one come loose, like, <laughs> while it's oh, milling? Oh, yeah. Um, you know, 
Yeah, I have. It didn't really result in a disaster, but uh, yeah, I have. Um, and sometimes it just depends on uh, where that happened at in the drum. You know, if if you have one come loose and it, it just kind of uh, fudged a little bit, moved a little bit towards the bottom, it will cut it down and make it a five and a half. But uh, yeah. that's only happened a couple times. Um, the biggest disaster I ever had building drums was when I was first starting out and I I had a uh, little rotisserie device that I, I would spin the drums on, you know, so the finish I just applied to them uh, wouldn't drip. And uh, I think I had three or four drum shells on there and they all spun off <laughs> and they were staves and, and a couple of them busted on me. <laughs> yeah, I think that, that's the worst because, you know, when you're doing custom work, you got a customer that's waiting on it and you got to... Uh, explain your way yeah. around it and, and let them down and you know it's tough <laughs> that's what people don't realize too man when you're making these custom drums there's a chance that it's gonna it's not gonna pan out there's a chance that it's not gonna pan out a lot of times I'll build if I'm building a, a custom drum for I'll, I'll build three of them and I'll give them the best one that come out because sometimes I'll have one that busts chips because you can't really tell sometimes especially when you're using old wood if you yeah. know if it's if it's gonna, I mean, you can tell kind of, but sometimes you'll have something that just kind of sneaks in there. And I was milling one one time, and just the lathe just slung off and went right past my head. I don't like milling um, lathe in small uh, small toms, like ten inch toms on a lathe. Oh my gosh! So I just I hate lathing them. Um, yeah, because it's so freaking dangerous, isn't it? It is, yeah, um, and that's kind of what uh, inspired me to do a CNC machine because I did have one fly off on the lathe and hit me in the face one day, and it was a bad day. It was real expensive wood, too. I think it was a Coca Bolo drum I, I was turning. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, it hit me right in the chops, and yeah, necessity breeds innovation. I said, I'm done. I'm done spinning drums on the lathe. So I got to ask you something. So I, I noticed that you're looking for help, too. You're looking for help for people to, um, to actually help you in the shop some, huh? Yeah, yeah, I am. Um, right now, I I have I'm back and forth between two employees that have been working with me for a while, um, and we we've just been getting so many of these uh, raw drum shell orders that I gotta find somebody to come in and, and lend a hand. I've been so busy, you know, working ten, eleven, twelve hours a day. I just gotta get some some help in, and uh, it's so such a niche process that man. It, Hiring people and training them takes like at least six months until they're you know proficient at it. So yeah, now I'm actually really got to find the right person. That, the right person is key. Um, so do you have like some sort of like a release form that you'll sign so they don't try to start doing their own thing, or do you just kind of? Yeah, yeah, I do. Um, everybody has to sign an NDA um, and a non-compete. Yeah. Yeah, that, yeah, that is just, so important there, man, because people, I'm going to tell you, man, they'll use what you've been spending years and years to learn to just step themselves right on the head, you know? Yeah, oh, I know. Yeah, it, it's With steaming, there's just no science behind it, it seems, and, and nobody really will give you any hints. So, yeah, you got to learn the hard way and, Trial. and break wood and, yep. and buy more. And so, yeah, it, you definitely got to make sure that your secrets don't leave with somebody and, and they go set up shop right next to you doing the same thing yeah man that definitely does suck for sure um yeah that's um so yeah i was thinking that um so tell me what's your routine look like man so you get up in the morning you start building you putting out drums or what what's your morning routine look like yeah i uh i get into the shop about 6 30 and uh first thing i'll do is 
just just get a plan for the week. Every Monday, if you can get a plan for the week, um, identify what you can ship, mm-hmm. uh, and, and just every day, you know, you you have to to put down a list saying, okay, if I'm going to ship these drums, this has to happen Monday, this has to happen Tuesday, uh, so on and so forth. And I like to get in, and, and the first thing I like to do is just get get one or two machines running. Uh, I, you always got to hear the machines humming because if they're not, you know, nothing's moving forward. Yeah. Um, once you get one of those run in, I got about 20 minutes and I'll, I'll start up the steam box. Um, I'll, I'll take some drums out of the water, out of the soaker, uh, start, start scarfing them. And pretty much my whole day is just bouncing back and forth between, um, you know, gluing in re-rings, gluing up save drums. You, you always want to get your glue drying first thing during the day. Cause you know, by the end of the day or the next day, they'll be workable. Um, get, get that machine going and get the steamer going. As long as you have those three things happening, uh, you, you could be pretty productive. But it can also fall apart real quick, too, you know, depending on what's going on during the day. Uh, shoot, making repairs. Um, yeah. Trying to uh, innovate certain processes. You know, I'd like to at least try and spend one day a week, like, upgrading jigs, um, adding something that will add, you know, add efficiency to what you're doing. That's right. So... It's kind of jumbled, but you know, by Friday you you got some in a box, and, and hopefully you can meet your goals and get them out the door. So, what's your favorite type of wood to work with? Like, what's the type you say? Yes, I love this type of wood. It mills good. It bends good. It's just ready to go. Oh man, um, for steam bending, I would have to say oak and poplar and cherry. Mm-hmm. Between those three, they're just so soft. They're easy to find. They, they bend almost every time. They don't dull your tools out. Um, if everyone could just order those drums, that'd be great. But <laughs> yeah, that's not the case. And I, I tell you, with you, man, I know I know that you carry so many hats. Like it, it, People don't realize how many things that you have to do to be able to run a business, produce a product, do the social media. I mean, you're literally turning into a social media company with your, your, your post. and But that's what really catapults pulse your brand your business to the front lines of everybody's attention is social media that is so it's so important to put you know by just having steady content going out and god almighty like your days i know that you've i know we got a lot in common as far as work goes because i know that you work so much and how do you find like a work-life balance man because i know for i know just i know what you go through man on on a lot of that it's 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 a lot (laughs) especially if you got a family yeah, it's tough. Um, I don't have I don't have a family yet. I got a little one on the way, so I think. Oh, congrats, you know, man! Is, thank you, thank you. I I got a little husky uh, howling at me in the background too, but uh, <laughs> I think that uh, it's the work life balance is about to get much more difficult. I'm going to be definitely uh, working less, but uh, yeah, it, really, um, my biggest my biggest tip would be just wake up early. You know that that's all you can do. Um, wake up as early as you can get in the shop as early as you can and it's just like you said with with social media too you know that's another aspect of the business that if if you're going too hard in the shop you can just forget you know about social media and um, if you're not posting you're not selling usually so um, I I try and devote at at least you know 30 minutes a day to you know figuring out what I'm going to post that day and and getting it up there Um, so that's that's definitely tough but really yeah just wake up early and uh man you know i I don't take lunch i just keep going until i'm done and 
it's really just work as hard as you can and, and then stop and go home. Yeah, man. <laughs> Sounds easy, but yeah, it's <laughs> it's not. That's that, that's the truth. So how does people buy? How do, how do people buy one of your drums, man? How, what's the main way that you sell them? Do they, they go to your website or in the vid or through Messenger or how you do that? Uh, most most of what I sell, uh, as far as complete snare drums goes, is word of mouth. And uh, a lot of times I'll just get an email that says, hey, you know, my, my buddy da 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 has one of your drums. I want to look into getting something similar, but I want it like this. Um, so I'd say the majority of them just come by word of mouth email and, you know, uh, through Messenger. And, um, you know, a little bit of them also come through the website, which is nice. Um but, you know, I would say the complete snare drums is probably only, you know, 25% of the business. Um, our, our raw drum shells and shells for builders is 75%. And um, all that usually comes through our website, uh, steambentdrum.com. I usually just, you know, every day I'm checking there to see, you know, who wants what. And, and that's kind of where the majority of the work comes from. Yeah. It's just being online. And I worked hard to kind of create that, that uh, very generic.com and... It worked, and I got uh, you know number one on a Google search with just having a generic name like that without paying for any SEO or anything. And, and you know now people search Steam Bend Drum, and we come up and and they order drum shells. It's it's been great. Yeah, man, yeah, that is super. So, what's the price range usually go for? Um, usually, it depends on the species of wood, but uh, some basic like our, our bread and butter maple snare drum is uh, two seventy nine. And then, you know, we, we throw in bearing edges, 25 bucks, drilling, 25 bucks, snare beds, uh, the works. So, uh, you know, when a customer gets it, they can either, you know, put a finish on it, bolt the hardware on directly, or we can finish it too, you know, and, and they can get a drum and, you know, choose the hardware and just assemble it at home. And a lot of people like doing that, feeling like they have, uh, you know, a, a part of the process, you know, mm-hmm. and they got a hand in it. Yep. Yeah, that's that's the same here. So, do, does your CMC machine have the capabilities to be able to drill the hardware too, or you do that, or you do that by hand sometimes? Uh, you know, it does. My five-axis machine can do that, but th- there's no standardization I've found so far. Every customer wants a different lug. It seems like mm-hmm. so. I, I just lay them all out by hand yeah. and drill them all by hand because it changes so much. I know the big guys, you know, they're doing the same lug and they'll do them on a, a CNC machine every time. I wish we could standardize it like that, but when you're doing custom, it, it's really hard to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely see that too. And um, so do you endorse any other, do you endorse drummers? Oh, I used to. Um, I kind of saw what SJC was doing way back in the day with, with endorsements and I went down that road. Um, I, I got some good, some big names to play our drums. Uh, Tracy Versara from Blake Shelton has one of them. Uh, David Black, he's playing with Kelly Pickler. Uh, he's with uh, Phil Vassar now. Um, there's there's a few others out there, but I found that w- with the endorsement deal, it's it's kind of it, it doesn't really pan out on our end. Yeah. I feel you there too. Man. Most people won't. I mean, here's the thing: the people that love your brand enough is okay with paying it. The people that want free stuff, yeah. you know, and that's what gets me is like, why does somebody want an endorsement if they never played your stuff before? It's like everybody, you know, we get a lot of endorsement requests too. And here lately, especially if like somebody wants to, they want an endorsement with us, but never, 
never played our stuff. I mean, endorsement is when you love a product enough to say, you know what, I'm putting my stamp of approval on it. Do I love this product, regardless of what yeah. it costs? And most of the guys that that we endorse, you know, they um they they just love our product and they don't care how much it costs. You know, exactly. Yeah, and those are the customers that we love to deal with. Um, every endorsement request, usually, you know, I'll, I'll say, I'll open it up and say, you know, thanks for your interest in our brand, but we just don't do it at the moment. And, uh, yeah, it's like you said, if they really want to rep your product, they'll buy it and they'll pay what it costs. Yep, that's exactly. So, are you planning on going into the, uh, what kind of drum shows? Have you went to drum shows and are you planning on going to some? Yeah, I've, I've been to NAMM. Um, Steve at Doc Sweeney Drums, he actually let me let me uh, kind of set up a little display in the corner of his booth that he paid an arm and a leg for, so I got to thank him for that. So I did display some drums at NAMM. I believe that was uh, 2019, and I went to NAMM a couple years after that, but uh, I, I'm really disconnected from the drum show scene. I, I want to go, and I want to uh, display maybe next year, you know, at, at the Vegas drum show if they're doing it, but I hear a lot about them because... We build a lot of shells, and our customers want to know if it's going to be done in time for the show. So I know when they are, where they're at. I just need to focus on going to the movie. So when somebody buys one of your shells, does it have like a stamp inside of it with your brand on it? No, no. We we, we do completely no label at all, unless they want it labeled. Yeah. Uh, we, can, we can engrave the inside if they want everybody to know it was one of ours, but typically, no, no. They uh, they'll rebrand them, you know, put their brand name on it, whatever company it is, and and that's the way it is. And, and we're fine with that. We don't really need the the notoriety. And a lot of the brands we build for, you know, we're signing NDAs, and it, it's real important to them that uh, nobody knows we're building drums for them. So, yeah, I, I got you. You see, I see a lot of people starting to build drums, man. Have you have you noticed that here? I mean, yeah. here's what I, I feel like what. What we're doing here, like putting in the time, the effort to be able to, to learn how to do this stuff and figuring it out and trial and error. Because even when even when I started doing it way back when, you know, you didn't really have a lot of people doing it at that time. So there really wasn't a lot of um, knowledge on the whole technology about the, the stuff. You know, you just kind of had to figure it out on your own and see if that works. And that didn't work. And I know we've made a, a lot of changes along the way in the past 10 years of just the way we do drums and the way, and I know you guys have too. Yeah. Um, and it's just, it could definitely, um, it definitely can get pretty crazy. Yeah. It, I feel like it, it's really taken off. Like you said, a lot more people are building drums. Um, uh, that's kind of what inspired me to go into the, the OEM drum shells for different builders is just seeing, you know, how many drum builders there are. I, I think there's more, uh, drum builders out there than any sort of instrument builder in the world. I do uh, too, for sure. Yeah, There's a lot because the shells are available, the hardware is available, and you know everybody can be a drum builder. You know, it's just all about what you want to do. So it's kind of, I figure there's a lot of competition out there. If, if you can't beat them, join them. So <laughs> we love to provide them with drum shells. <laughs> I love it, man. I love it. So talk to me about your um, your finishes and your spray your spray your spray habits that you do. Do you do a lot of custom spray finishes like that? I I do. I, I try not to though. Um, <laughs> if, yeah, if a customer really wants me to, to finish their drum, I'll do it. But man, it takes me so much time. It takes a while and, to finish the drum. God Almighty, it does. <laughs> oh yeah, especially when you're just meticulous. Um, 
yeah, you can be hours and yeah. hours and you finish. Sometimes I, I tell them, you know, it, it's probably more man hours spraying the finish than it was building the drum. Yeah. You'd be but, like, one uh, more, you need one more coat and like, damn, another coat or something happened and a little fleck yeah. or something get on it or, and then you got to oh, do it yeah. again and that's another day and then you got to let it sit yeah. and dry and, you know. Every time, man. Uh, <laughs> but no, I, I used to just, I started out spraying lacquer. Um, and then uh, Eric over at Black Black Swamp, he he said, "Hey, you got to try this polyester out." Uh, and I'm thankful for that because it's been a, a great product, and a lot of the, the bigger brand names are using it. Um, but yeah, it's it's a catalyzed polyester. It saved us a lot of dry time because uh, this stuff is uh, rock hard in 24 hours, and then we can buff the next day. And and you know, if everything goes well, I can do a high gloss finish in a couple days. Mm. But uh, yeah, that's really saved us some time, and I've kind of found out that it's 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 becoming an industry standard as yeah. far as high gloss goes. But I always prefer to just do an oil rub finish. It it, it kind of it, it just captures the natural beauty of the wood. You can still see the pores, um, and it's it's just much easier for us to do. So I, I try and do those when I can. Yeah, that's why I like stickers with distress finishes. <laughs> oh, your distress finishes are awesome. Uh, yeah, man. It's, it's when you start getting a high gloss or something like that. They don't, people don't realize you can literally you can build a drum. The time it takes to do a, a gloss or, or 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 a high gloss finish, you know, it's it's really insane. Yeah, it is. And you know, on our website, we charge 150 for the finish, and uh, customers will go, "That's too much." I go, "I know," but man, I, I'm putting every bit of that into it, so it's it's tough, but. Uh, I gotta say, I love your distress finishes. I also love the look of your drums, where it looks like you did a wire brush, kind of to dig the grain out and make it deeper, yep. or something like that. That yep. is just one of my favorites of yours. <laughs> Appreciate it, man. Yeah, we go in and just carve it out and make it look all kind of. And that's 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 the thing. I mean, that's the whole brand. That that's the reason why I started, man. Like way back when, it's just like that whole reclaimed rustic feel. I mean, it never saw that. I just I, and I love the way it looked, you know. And it's just. Um, and it just, I just, I still do it to this day, man. It's, it's, it's really, it's really super fun, you know. Um, I tell you what, I've actually really kind of gotten where I love to do is just, I like doing the video edits, man. The video edits and, and um, putting all of it together in a video form. You know, that's been so much fun for me. Oh my gosh. Yeah, your videos are awesome. I, I watch them on Instagram Live, man, and you do really good with social media. I, I wish I was as good as you with social. Bro, media. you're looks, killing it, man. It's awesome. <laughs> I, I, I need to break out of the box I'm in, but you've you've done that, and uh, yeah, you're you're really uh, kind of creating a story for people to follow. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm telling you, man, I was really worried about it at first, man. I was worried about what people were gonna think and what people were gonna say because everybody's got an opinion, and I and I come to the conclusion that no matter what I do, I'm not gonna please everybody, and there's gonna be haters, there's gonna be people that love, it, people that hate it. Whatever, I'm just going forward. What does what makes me happy, man? Because I'm telling you, man, I, there's been a lot of a lot, a lot of deaths here going on here lately with people that are really close to me dying, and I'm just Jeez. like, man, you know, I want to live every single day, man, and just really do what makes me happy. And I'm I'm telling you, man, I'm slowing down, and I'm just really taking in each thing that I'm doing. I'm, you know, as far as I mean, for the past, you know, three years, it seems like, you know, when we was doing the drums for Guitar Center Musician's Friend, you know, just banking out drums, banking out drums, just go, 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 go. But I'm just slow down. I'm slow down, man. And, like, right now I'm building, like, a drum out of this old piano. And wow. guys sending me all kinds of bunch of different cool parts to do. And I'm just cutting it down, using this part. And some of it's kind of cool because some of that piano is ply. 
And I was able to um, cut it and angle it and, you know, and basically just glue it. Just like, because that's all ply is, is just a like a ply stave kind of thing. And, man, really, really, really cool stuff. And it's, you know, super stable. And I'm trying to just do anything like that, man. It's, it's working out pretty good. Good deal. Yeah. I noticed how many free pianos there are on Craigslist. <laughs> you know, you I think... had a customer actually say, you got to build a drum out of a piano, but yeah, it, it would be a good idea. I mean, I, I'm glad you're doing it. Yeah, man. It'd be, it'd be fun. Um, do you think you could steam bend some of, steam bend some of that wood? Yeah. As long as it's solid wood. So what about the old heart pine? Like, the old do you think that would sting bent like the um you know that some of the old the old pine because i found that old heart pine is so brittle like it's, yeah. it's really old and it's kind of brittle um do you yeah. think it would bend well i don't know for a fact but i have bent uh cedar and i have bent um the pine that grows up here i'm, I'm in the northwest and it doesn't bend the best, but if you found the right piece, you know, with no knots and just straight grain, uh, there, there's a chance, but you never really know until you try. Yeah, man. Yes. Yes. Well, i tell you one thing, bro. I'm super inspired by what you're doing, and I love it the fact that, you know, you're paving your own way too, man. You're going out there, and you're setting the pace, and you're not really – and that's the thing too. I love it when I see innovative like this and just – with, with people just going out, doing something completely different, and making it work, you know, because you got to just try it. You got to just try it and see if something sticks. Like, I'm not doing things some of the way I used to do it. I'm changing. I'm, in a, you know, I'm kind of growing and making changes along the way, you know? Yeah. And that's kind of yeah, why that's... I felt like doing this podcast thing, too, because, you know, I'm meeting so many drum builders and drummers and just people just, they really want to know about this kind of stuff. And, you know, and I just feel like it's a, I think the drum community as a whole is amazing because, you know, for the most part, people ain't, that, the drum builders that are actually in business like that, they're not trying to undercut one another. They're not trying to talk smack about the other person. They generally, um, with success and hope the other person does well what i've noticed you know yeah Yeah, no it's the builders are are all really nice and uh yeah i I, like i like i was telling uh one of these guys the other day i haven't met a drum builder i don't like you know everybody's been great yeah to me i've I've had no issues in the industry and you know i've had products flop and and been through all that too and, and you just get support along the way it's amazing yeah man yeah man um yeah um let's think here what else man we can talk about um (laughs) i was wanting to ask you a question yeah whenever whenever that time comes go ahead yeah let's do it yeah so so you're out getting this heart pine how do you go about finding these old houses and you know what's the acquisition process like to, to get your material that's super aggravating sometimes because to get an old house a lot of the times the the, the owners they want you to clean up the whole house like you got to take everything down the chimney you know get rid of the mess clean it all up but once you do all that man you got some really cool stuff and um, a lot of times with people like Facebook and so a lot of people will message me just like on Facebook or something. Um, they'll send me an email, um, you know, saying that they got this or got that. And they'll say, a lot of times they'll give it to me or they'll want a little bit of money for it. It just really depends. Um, we've tore down so many houses in the past. I've got pretty good bit of wood still. Um, 
but it has to go through like a whole a huge amount of steps you know i found like when you're doing like the heart pine you know especially like heart pine stave you know that's definitely to me that was that's the hardest to work with the heart pine stave because it's just it's so dry and it's brittle and it can break easy so what i've been doing is actually laminating the heart pine you know in like either three sections or two sections and laminating and then making my staves on top of that you know like laminating that way you've got the strength of uh it's a lot stronger as far as the you know because sometimes the heart pie man it's just got it's just old and it's been through a lot but man it sounds amazing it does sound amazing but it's more time to get it um to to get it to where it needs to be you know and i definitely like the humidity because it's so wet here in georgia you know the humidity is so wet so if we send um Cause you're in uh, uh, Utah, right? Uh, North Idaho is where Idaho. I'm in. The shops in Spokane. We, we're right on the state line of Idaho and Washington. Uh, okay, so it's kind of probably it's kind of probably dry, a little drier over there, right? Yeah. So here is you know a lot of times what happens like if I was to send a stave drum from here to over there, a lot of times what happen it will just like I said it'll move, and, and I go through it intense drying process now with heart pine. Oh my gosh, I over dry it. I really do, especially. Because what happens if it gets set up in a studio, and you know all this, I know you found this route the hard way, but if you get a, a studio situation and it's, you know, wood moves, it expands and contracts. I've had a, I've even had a shell, you know, move three-eighths of an inch in diameter before. Yeah. <clears throat> it's crazy. You wouldn't think it would, but you could. it will move, yeah. like, massive. It, it can happen, yeah, that's... Uh, a lot of guys say, you know, you want your humidity around 35%. I, I like my shop as, as low of humidity as possible, like 15%. That way you can just be assured that there's no moisture left in that wood. Yeah. You know, when it leaves your shop. And it's tough, tough to keep it uh, in that range. But, yeah, it's, man, wood does what it wants. But there's there's a reason why we're using it to build these things. It's, <laughs> it's got a unique sound to it. Yeah, man, I'm on a kick with walnut, man. Right now, it kind of changes. My my passion kind of my heart changes to what you know as far as the wood types. Right now, I'm loving black walnut. I don't know what it is about yeah. it, the way it smells when it mills. I'm just um, yeah, I'm in love with that right now. I love it too, and it's unfortunate because it's been harder and harder to come across. Uh, you know, since the the pandemic and you know the mills being closed. Uh, I, I just sourced a big piece of it yesterday. I had to go out to this arborist, you know, and, and uh, pick through his slabs. But yeah, man, I'm, I'm having a hard time getting it up here. And um, I'm about to go take a uh, tour of Oregon and just, you know, bring my truck and trailer and, and pick up as much walnut as I can because it's it grows like crazy down there. Huh? Yeah, that would be so much fun. I would love to do that. I would love for you to come to Georgia sometime, man. I definitely got a place for you to stay, and we could definitely do a lot of drum, cool drum stuff, man. That'd be awesome. Yeah, I've only been over that way once. Yeah. So I need to get back. Yes, it's fixing just really nice right now, man. I mean, I was literally thinking about opening up the pool today and going swimming. I mean, it's I think it's about eighty something degrees right now outside. It's it's really oh, wow. nice, nice for sure. Yeah, it's about. 40 degrees here if that the snow's melting so we still got ice on the water out here (laughs) cool man oh my gosh dude um you got any more questions for me um you know i'm i'm real i'm real impressed with you you said you laminate the wood together and uh that's that's an awesome technique 
I just wanted to comment on it. I had to do that too. And, uh, it was, it was for this project I was doing called the Ironside Snare Drums. We, we sourced this wood, um, that was dug up at the old, uh, Charleston port. And it was, it's live oak from the, uh, surplus of wood that they used to repair, uh, old Ironsides, the old warship. Oh, yeah, and, and I bought a lot of this wood from this guy. He charged me an arm and a leg, and it, and it came in, and it was just so unstable. It wanted to crack and split, and I had to do the same thing you're talking about. You just you laminate it up, um, you know, face it right, and then cut your staves out of that. And, man, it was like a night and day difference. So kudos on that. Yeah, it'll definitely make a drum more stable. Yeah, that's the only way to do it, man. That's the only way to do it. That makes it so strong is when you land. That's what, that's how plies are, is laminated pieces together, you know. Um, it's, it really works really, really good. We're doing, we're doing, we're doing a lot of pine like that right now. I'm working on a new six lug pine drum like that where we just get thin pieces of pine, glue them together, and then cut staves out of it. <clears throat> and so I'm getting the stability I'm really liking the stability that I'm getting because it don't move and it's very strong and we're only using six lugs. <laughs> yeah, that would be a nice bright sounding drum. I mean, people think about six lug drums. They're like, oh, that's too cheap. You only got six lugs instead of 10 or eight. But I'm like, oh my God, six lugs. Now they're going to be different. You know, you're not going to be able to ha sound the same as a 10 lug. It's not going to sound the same as a six lug. The six lug is going to be more open. There's going to be less contact with the shell you know, and, and I just, I don't know. I'm in love with six lug drums right now, man. That's, uh, that's just where I'm at with it. I like that. Yeah. I get a lot of customers who, who they're diehard 10 luggers. That's all they want. And I try and talk them into an eight because eights, it's just a lighter drum. It breathes more. Mm -hmm. Um, and I can't even imagine what a six would be like. That's gotta be real, real it's, expressive drum it's, sound. It's really open, especially if you put just a thicker head on there, like a little thicker head with a six lug. Um, you can really get some really nice sounds out of it. You know, it just kind of calms it down a little bit, depending on, um, depending on that stuff right there. So your hardware, man. I mean, I, <clears throat> what, what, tell me about your hardware. Um, World Max, uh, Drum Fractor Direct, that kind of stuff. You think? Yeah. Um, because we do so few complete builds, you know, I I've gone uh, you know directly overseas to get it in the past, and. Um, you know, we don't even meet the minimum order requirements to do that anymore. So when I get a customer who wants a complete drum, I'll just go straight to Drum Factory Direct or, you know, World Max or uh, because of the shortage we've had on hoops lately, uh, Cardinal Percussion, they actually have a lot of the stuff in stock too. Hmm. Um, so between those three, yeah, I mean, you, usually you can you can get really good quality hardware. Yeah, yeah, the same, same here, same here. So hardware, just I mean, I don't know if people don't realize, but like for me to build a, a three-piece drum kit, the hardware is like over nine hundred dollars for the hardware. Oh, yeah, I mean, people don't realize that. And they're like, well, man, I can buy a drum set for six. Well, that's what you need to do. <laughs> but exactly. I'm telling you, hardware is so freaking expensive right now on these drums, man. That's that's what gets you right there. That's what every time, man. The hardware, hardware, hardware. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a big constraint, especially when a customer wants like die cast on a snare drum. You know, it's like, oh shoot, I'm I'm almost 190 bucks into two hoops there. <laughs> Once they get here with shipping, so yep, yep, man, yeah, the die cast could be a killer. Um, luckily, you know, the hardware is one thing. Uh, heads and snare wires, we got a, a good deal worked out with Evans, and uh, they've extended their 
the best pricing to us, you know, so now we do pure sound and Evan's heads, which has been great. So they, they really helped us out there. But yeah, the hardware, man, it, it can be a tough one. Yeah, it definitely does. And then you know this too, and I don't want to get back into it, but I, it's, you know, as far as when you got to do all the, um, your website stuff, do you do all that or you hire somebody to do that for you? Um, I, I currently do it all now. I had somebody doing it and it didn't work out. Yeah. So now, um, I set it all up. I update it. I've, I've, I built the page myself and yeah, doing it all. Yeah, man. The hats that you wear to do this is amazing. I know, especially the CNC stuff on it. Cause I, I, that, that's a lot. That's a lot of trial and error and a lot of getting down there, figuring it out, man. It is. Yeah. A lot, a lot of time spent not building drums when you're, <laughs> when you're behind on orders. I can't wait to get my hands on one of these things, and we should totally do some sort of a collaboration one day, man, and uh, do a, do an um, an outlaw. I don't know. We'll figure out something. We'll fit you, brother. Thank you so much for being on the show with me, man. Oh my gosh, uh, you're amazing. I wish you just so much success and um, all the positive vibes going your way, man. Just keep doing what you're doing. Hey, thanks a lot, Michael, and uh, same to you, man. And keep it up. You've, you've done great building this brand up, and. Man, I, I get excited seeing your, your videos every time. You know, I love watching them. Yes, just want to say thank you for listening to another episode of The Process. Um, just a quick reminder, we're going to be doing a six-lug drum special. 14-inch in diameter, six lugs. We're doing those. we got the Outlaw Felons going on. Now. These are the Outlaw Felon Beaters. Basically, these beaters are very, very unique, and there's no two one of them alike. They're all different. Um customizable different sizes different weights different woods just good good stuff man i just want to encourage everybody to keep drumming keep staying positive keep practicing and focus on the solution not the problem a lot of the times man it's easy to be focusing on the problem so much that it just gets worse and worse you know forget the problem focus on the solution and figure it out you got this till next time your host, Michael Allen. want to say congratulations to nick lane he just won an outlaw drums felon beater brand new one we're going to be doing a random giveaway on each one of these podcast shows it's going to be tucked away somewhere in the episode and you gotta hang around to listen to see who wins and nick lane message me right now i got a beater headed your way a custom outlaw drums beater thank you again brother
Yes. Welcome, everybody. So you may want to stick around to the end of this episode because we're giving away a special gift in this episode somewhere. This is season two, episode eight. We got a special guest on the show. Yes, listen to those toms. Talking about innovative. I got a really special guest on the show today, and you're going to be blown away at some of the things that he does. Micah Doring from Cast Drumcraft is on the show today. Educate, motivate, and inspire is the goal here. People need some encouragement today. I got an encouraging word today. Everybody has problems. Focus your attention on the solution, not the problem. When you change your mindset to what you focus on, amazing things start to happen. Trust me. Now let's talk some drum building. Today, hello everybody. This is Michael Outlaw, your host for the Outlaw Process. Today we have a really special guest on the show, uh, Mike, Micah Doring. He is the owner of Cast Drumcraft. And he's going to be on the podcast today, and we're going to ask him some questions. He's got some super innovative technologies. Some of the drums that he's making is, oh my gosh, it's crazy. I've never seen anything like it. Super innovative. And I want to welcome him to the show. Welcome, Micah. Hey, thanks for having me, Michael. I appreciate the intro. Yeah, man, dude, you That's are great. you are freaking amazing, man. I'm seeing some of the drums that you're creating, and oh my gosh, this thing, some of the drums that you're doing is is insane, brother. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, I'm just trying to be new, uh, trying to innovate, and it's kind of led me to what we're doing now. Um, do, do a lot of drum shells on the side, and, and then the newer stuff we're doing with the carbon snare drums, I'm, I'm trying to focus on that more as well. Those carbon drums, oh my gosh, and we're going to get more into that in just a little bit, but oh my gosh, I've got to hear more about those drums there because I've never seen anything like it before, and, and a lot of people haven't either, you know, and well, I guess I'm, what really I'm so inspired about is how it's just so original, and there's just nothing else like it, what you're doing. Um, yeah, I, I see Thank this you. I see this brand getting, I mean, I see it being mega, I see it being mega, and um, just the the... The perfection with each shell just seems seems really really cool. So tell me, so how'd you get started with doing drums, man? Let's back up just a little bit, and yeah. I want to know um, just some of your history and some of the uh, how. Well, how'd you get started building drums? Well, I've played drums since I was six. Started out in uh, you know grade school band class, all the way up to concert percussion, jazz band, marching band, pep band, all that stuff, and. Uh, it really started in wood shop in, in ninth grade. Um, we all had to do projects, and I decided I wanted to build a snare drum. Um, so my dad and I, we built the first snare drum. It was a vertical grain fur stave drum, and sounded awesome, and I played it in high school. Um, and then, you know, I was kind of hooked at that point. I didn't know it yet. But uh, right when I was going to go graduate, it was like, well, what are you going to do with your life? You're going to go to college? what are you going to do? Well, I wanted to start a business building drums. So after that first vertical grain fur drum, and, uh, after I got out of high school, I was like, well, I just want to at least take a, take a shot at building drums. So I started just doing whatever I could. I, I was inspired really by, uh, 
a lot of the SJC stuff I was seeing, a lot of the custom work they were doing and following along with them. So I kind of just, I had, I had a few drum shells laying around that I built and I would just dress them up with different hardware, you know, uh, take that off, wrap them, put different hardware on it and kind of build a, a little inventory. It was really like only four snare drums, but you know, it looked like I had probably 16 of them on there because I was just doing different things. And, uh, <laughs> that's that's when it you know it it bit me and i i had to keep going and uh man i i had to get a real job though i i worked as an electrician while i was building drums for about seven years there and i uh, just kept going kept trying to build the brand after work on the weekends you know working out of the garage and uh eventually it got to the point where i, I couldn't even i couldn't stand it anymore because i was i had no free time I was just building drums and working construction. So I quit the electrician job and uh, went into it full time. Um, we had we had a lot of support from a, a brand called Doc Sweeney Drums. Um, Steve Stecker over at Doc Sweeney, he kind of put his put his whole faith behind us and and put us up in um, a commercial building so we could grow the brand and, and do shells for him. And, uh, since then, you know, I've just been going nonstop and we, we've been proud to produce the majority of all their steam vent stuff. And, uh, we, we still build for him, you know, every day, but I got to give a big shout out to him for helping us, helping me really take the jump from the garage into a, a commercial space. Yeah, man, I'm seeing your stuff and oh my gosh, cause a lot of this stuff here is what I've noticed. So most of your drums are steam bent. Yes. And um, and I and I really a- admire the whole CNC technology of literally the perfection with um, the technology goes behind that because I know that that was you should, that's not a machine that you can just go and buy somewhere you have to make the machine to do that. Yeah, yeah, and that was I guess with necessity comes innovation. Um, I, I was turning drums on a you know they call it a cocoa jig or a router jig yep. for years, you know, just sitting there turning and burning, getting covered in wood shavings. And <laughs> I just couldn't handle it anymore. And especially when we started doing the steam bend stuff, I just knew that we, we had to, we had to do something different. Um, and that's kind of when I started developing that, that CNC cutter, it's got a really long uh, Z axis reach. So it can go down, you know, 20 inches into these drum shells. Yeah, and man. It, cuts them very accurate and, and the glory of it all is i can be doing something else while it's working and it, i get a better product out of it than i would have you know, with my router jig so yeah that's a cool feeling to be able to see just walk away from it and be like man that's it's literally milling it out all the way from the so what size what size drums can you make oh i do stave drums i've done down to six inch up to 26 um our steam bent drums uh 10 inch all the way up to 26 Wow. Wow. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So it's a, so your it's a steam long piece of wood for steam under 26 inches. Yes. Oh my gosh. 26 inches is, is mega. So I'm asked, so like, if you're doing a 26 inch like kick drum or, or far, far as like the depth goes, do you have to be in like two pieces, two separate pieces of wood and then glue them together to get that depth? Yeah. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, the constraints are the wood for steam bending, you know, yeah. uh, very rarely will you ever find a nice piece of, of wood that's, you know, 16 to 18 inches wide by eight feet plus long that can just steam bend in one, one shot. Yeah. Uh, there's not a lot of wood out there like that. I'm sure you know. So 
Um, yeah, and a lot of people don't know that, you know, that's pretty much standard for steam band drums when you're looking at bass drums and four toms. They're usually always jointed in the middle, and, and we like to book match them, you know. So t- start with the thicker piece of wood, cut it down the middle, fold it open like pages of a book, and then we join them with a uh, mortise and tenon joint. Yeah. Yeah, I saw that. Man, I'm just like so and so inspired by the technology and by the innovation. Now, I want to talk about this drum, this carving drum. Oh my gosh, this is insane. So it's literally where the lugs are made inside. On The lugs are made on, it's in the part of the wood that it's milled out. Yeah. What in the world? So tell me about this design. Tell me about the technology and just tell me the inspiration behind it. Well... Um, the inspiration behind it is uh, the PV Radio Pro drums that a lot of collectors are still seeking out to this day because they sound so good. Um, you know, those, the lugs are actually incorporated into the drum shell. Um, they look really weird, kind of like something out of a space movie or something. Um, so I, I saw those initially, and then another brand called uh, Phi, P-H-I, um, back when I was, shoot, probably 18 or 19, I was looking at their stuff, too. And uh, they actually did a drum shell with incorporated lugs. And you know, we're definitely not the first to do it, but um, those two companies kind of inspired us to put our spin on it. Um, you know, kind of kind of make it look the way we wanted to make it look. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's it's been a hit so far. You know, having, having the lugs carved into the drum shell, it, it cuts out a lot of the weight. You know, you don't have a, a steel lug post. Um, you can no lug gaskets. Um, you know, you get that impact energy from rim shots. It's kind of transferred directly into the drum shell. So it, it really is, it's a real bright kind of focused sounding snare drum that it creates. Yeah, I, I love it. When I first saw that drum on Instagram, I just, I fell in love with the design of it. Um, golly, I'm telling you, man, there's very few times I just have to stop. This was one of the times where I just had to stop and was just like, man, congrats on this, brother, because that is freaking awesome, man. That is awesome. Uh, thank you. Yes. Um, thank and it's, you. It's, yeah, they're tough to build, but um, I've, I've got orders for them now I'm working on, and luckily our customers are patient because it, it takes me forever to get them to I can imagine, man, because these, this ain't Steam been here. This is segmented, right? Segmented or stave? Uh, we, do, we do them in stave form okay. uh, because we... We just can't bend the wood thick enough. We have to start yeah. with an uh, inch and three-quarter piece of wood to, to actually mill the lug bodies from yeah. the shell. Yeah. Yeah. So, but, but what we've done is um, we found out in the process, because I first started doing them like a traditional stave with vertical grain, and uh, we, we, couldn't, we couldn't go that route because expansion and contraction, you know, it would, it would mess with the uh, offset of the lug posts, and it would bind up on the hoop. So we, we moved to a horizontal grain stave. So it's horizontal like a steam bent drum, but cut with staves. And to kind of uh, relax everybody on the, the idea that you can't glue in grain wood, we added a uh, interior re-ring top and bottom that's two-ply that bridges uh, all, the, all the seams on it. Yeah, man. People don't realize, man, how much stuff really goes into the the technology and just being able to understand how wood works. I mean, because I'm going to tell you, if you just was to go like steam, uh, stave on something like that, where the wood, like you said, comes and goes with the, the changes in humidity, man, but going horizontal like like you're talking really makes a stable a stable drum that doesn't move in like, like traditional vertical stave does. Yeah, yeah, and, and you know, for... 
for a traditional vertical stave drum with traditional hardware with like a, a swivel and lug post, it's no issue. You know, you just let your drum breathe yep. um, and you'll never have a problem. But for us, it, it, we have it, the lug post is solid, you know, and it's in it's carved into the drum. So we couldn't have the diameter moving at all. Otherwise, it would uh, result in tension rod splay. Yeah, I gotcha. I gotcha. Yeah, this CNC machine, man, is really, really amazing. Um, I'm definitely, um, I'm actually looking into it too, man. I'm actually kind of, I'm going to get with you here later on about maybe even doing me, doing me one, a, a CNC machine to where I can do some of them. But, you know, that's kind of, yeah. that's kind of la later on. But right now, man, I'm just, um, I'm just admiring some of your stuff. So what else are you doing with these CNC machines? Are you doing hoops or anything like that? Yeah, man, I've done, um, well, drum shells, of course, but we do hoops. I uh, do hoop sizes all the way from 10-inch to 26-inch. Uh, we do the hide-a-hoop style for snare drums, so it has a, you know, a, a bass drum-style claw that goes over the hoop and then a flange that comes down and, and hides the actual uh, flange of your drum hoop, which is kind of cool-looking. Um, and then, really, I, I have three machines going daily, and uh, one of them I just use for, for scarf-joining drums, um, you know, for the steaming process, we'll, we'll throw like five, six, seven drums down on the table of it and just have it do a few passes to taper the ends of these boards to get them ready for steaming and bending. Hmm. Um, and then my other machine, the, the five axis machine, it, it cuts all the carbon snare drums. And, uh, yeah. And then I got the homemade one that just does pretty much, it runs all day doing steam bend and stave drums, just shaping, uh, you know, flat cylinders. Yeah. Yeah. I see when you were doing that, man. That's definitely, definitely pretty cool stuff. So tell me about the steam bending process, man. So you got to get your wood like super, super thin, or is it green, or how do you go about getting some of your wood? Uh, well, I always, always prefer air dried wood for okay. steam bending, but yeah, it's so hard to find it unless you're dealing with like a local arborist who cuts these trees down and you can get them before they go into the kiln. You know, you really can't find the stuff because. All the suppliers, they, they like to kiln dry it. Um, so we're kind of limited to what we can get there, but we do work with 99% kiln dry material. Um, but for us, the wetter, the better. You know, Preferably, I'd, I'd like a tree that just got cut down and we'll, we'll mill it right there and steam bend it. Uh, but when we're working with kiln dried wood, we actually have to resaturate it, you know, because mm -hmm. uh, when we get it, it's the moisture contents anywhere from five to 7%. Um, so we actually have to soak the boards and get them very wet so the heat will transfer properly in the steamer um you know if they're too dry and you put them in the steamer they won't heat as well they won't heat throughout the board and they end up usually just breaking and splitting so um a, a lot of the lead time is resaturating the wood because the kiln dried process dried it out you know so thoroughly and we kind of have to reverse that yeah what I need to do, man, I need to send you some wood. Like when we saw up some, sometimes we'll get some maple logs, some walnut logs that I'll saw up and it'll be completely green, ready to go, like wet. I need to get up with yeah. you and I'll send you some stuff, man. And uh, that, that would definitely be, be pretty cool because sometimes I'll... Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> I got to ask this question, man. Have you, I mean, because I know from just being a builder that a lot of the times, like we may be building a, um, a custom drum and... A lot of times it'll bust or it'll break, and I'll have to start completely over. Now, I can just imagine if one of those things was to loosen up, especially milling the inside of one of your drums. Have you ever had one come loose, like, <laughs> while it's oh, milling? Oh, yeah. Um, you know, 
Yeah, I have. It didn't really result in a disaster, but uh, yeah, I have. Um, and sometimes it just depends on uh, where that happened at in the drum. You know, if if you have one come loose and it, it just kind of uh, fudged a little bit, moved a little bit towards the bottom, it will cut it down and make it a five and a half. But uh, yeah. that's only happened a couple times. Um, the biggest disaster I ever had building drums was when I was first starting out and I I had a uh, little rotisserie device that I, I would spin the drums on, you know, so the finish I just applied to them uh, wouldn't drip. And uh, I think I had three or four drum shells on there and they all spun off <laughs> and they were staves and, and a couple of them busted on me. But, <laughs> yeah, I think that, that's the worst because, you know, when you're doing custom work, you got a customer that's waiting on it and you got to... Uh, explain your way yeah. around it and, and let them down and you know it's tough <laughs> that's what people don't realize too man when you're making these custom drums there's a chance that it's gonna it's not gonna pan out there's a chance that it's not gonna pan out a lot of times I'll build if I'm building a, a custom drum for I'll, I'll build three of them and I'll give them the best one that come out because sometimes I'll have one that busts chips because you can't really tell sometimes especially when you're using old wood if you yeah. know if it's if it's gonna, I mean, you can tell kinda, but sometimes you'll have something that just kind of sneaks in there. And I was milling one one time, and just the lathe just slung off and went right past my head. I don't like milling um, lathe in small uh, small toms, like ten inch toms on a lathe. Oh my gosh! So I just I hate lathing them. Um, yeah, because it's so freaking dangerous, isn't it? It is, yeah, um, and that's kind of what uh, inspired me to do a CNC machine because I did have one fly off on the lathe and hit me in the face one day, and it was a bad day. It was real expensive wood, too. I think it was a Coca Bolo drum I, I was turning. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, it hit me right in the chops, and yeah, necessity breeds innovation. I said, I'm done. I'm done spinning drums on the lathe. So I got to ask you something. So I, I noticed that you're looking for help, too. You're looking for help for people to, um, to actually help you in the shop some, huh? Yeah, yeah, I am. Um, right now, I I have I'm back and forth between two employees that have been working with me for a while, um, and we we've just been getting so many of these uh, raw drum shell orders that I gotta find somebody to come in and, and lend a hand. I've been so busy, you know, working ten, eleven, twelve hours a day. I just gotta get some some help in, and uh, it's so such a niche process that man. It, Hiring people and training them takes like at least six months until they're you know proficient at it. So yeah, now I'm actually really got to find the right person. That, the right person is key. Um, so do you have like some sort of like a release form that you'll sign so they don't try to start doing their own thing, or do you just kind of? Yeah, yeah, I do. Um, everybody has to sign an NDA um, and a non-compete. Yeah. Yeah, that, yeah, that is just, so important there, man, because people, I'm going to tell you, man, they'll use what you've been spending years and years to learn to just step themselves right on the head, you know? Yeah, oh, I know. Yeah, it, it's With steaming, there's just no science behind it, it seems, and, and nobody really will give you any hints. So, yeah, you got to learn the hard way and, Trial. and break wood and, yep. and buy more. And so, yeah, it, you definitely got to make sure that your secrets don't leave with somebody and, and they go set up shop right next to you doing the same thing yeah man that definitely does suck for sure um yeah that's um so yeah i was thinking that um so tell me what's your routine look like man so you get up in the morning you start building you putting out drums or what what's your morning routine look like yeah i uh i get into the shop about 6 30 and uh first thing i'll do is 
just just get a plan for the week. Every Monday, if you can get a plan for the week, um, identify what you can ship, mm-hmm. uh, and, and just every day, you know, you you have to to put down a list saying, okay, if I'm going to ship these drums, this has to happen Monday, this has to happen Tuesday, uh, so on and so forth. And I like to get in, and, and the first thing I like to do is just get get one or two machines running. Uh, I, you always got to hear the machines humming because if they're not, you know, nothing's moving forward. Yeah. Um, once you get one of those run in, I got about 20 minutes and I'll, I'll start up the steam box. Um, I'll, I'll take some drums out of the water, out of the soaker, uh, start, start scarfing them. And pretty much my whole day is just bouncing back and forth between, um, you know, gluing in re-rings, gluing up save drums. You, you always want to get your glue drying first thing during the day. Cause you know, by the end of the day or the next day, they'll be workable. Um, get, get that machine going and get the steamer going. As long as you have those three things happening, uh, you, you could be pretty productive. But it can also fall apart real quick, too, you know, depending on what's going on during the day. Uh, shoot, making repairs. Um, yeah. Trying to uh, innovate certain processes. You know, I'd like to at least try and spend one day a week, like, upgrading jigs, um, adding something that will add, you know, add efficiency to what you're doing. That's right. So... It's kind of jumbled, but you know, by Friday you you got some in a box, and, and hopefully you can meet your goals and get them out the door. So, what's your favorite type of wood to work with? Like, what's the type you say? Yes, I love this type of wood. It mills good. It bends good. It's just ready to go. Oh man, um, for steam bending, I would have to say oak and poplar and cherry. Mm-hmm. Between those three, they're just so soft. They're easy to find. They, they bend almost every time. They don't dull your tools out. Um, if everyone could just order those drums, that'd be great. But <laughs> yeah, that's not the case. And I, I tell you, with you, man, I know I know that you carry so many hats. Like it, it, People don't realize how many things that you have to do to be able to run a business, produce a product, do the social media. I mean, you're literally turning into a social media company with your, your, your post. and But that's what really catapults pulse your brand your business to the front lines of everybody's attention is social media that is so it's so important to put you know by just having steady content going out and god almighty like your days i know that you've i know we got a lot in common as far as work goes because i know that you work so much and how do you find like a work-life balance man because i know for i know just i know what you go through man on on a lot of that it's 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 a lot (laughs) especially if you got a family yeah, it's tough. Um, I don't have I don't have a family yet. I got a little one on the way, so I think. Oh, congrats, you know, man! Is, thank you, thank you. I I got a little husky uh, howling at me in the background too, but uh, <laughs> I think that uh, it's the work life balance is about to get much more difficult. I'm going to be definitely uh, working less, but uh, yeah, it, really, um, my biggest my biggest tip would be just wake up early. You know that that's all you can do. Um, wake up as early as you can get in the shop as early as you can and it's just like you said with with social media too you know that's another aspect of the business that if if you're going too hard in the shop you can just forget you know about social media and um, if you're not posting you're not selling usually so um, I I try and devote at at least you know 30 minutes a day to you know figuring out what I'm going to post that day and and getting it up there Um, so that's that's definitely tough but really yeah just wake up early and uh man you know i I don't take lunch i just keep going until i'm done and 
it's really just work as hard as you can and, and then stop and go home. Yeah, man. <laughs> Sounds easy, but yeah, it's <laughs> it's not. That's that, that's the truth. So how does people buy? How do how do people buy one of your drums, man? How, what's the main way that you sell them? Do they, they go to your website or individ or through Messenger or how you do that? Uh, most most of what I sell, uh, as far as complete snare drums goes, is word of mouth. And uh, a lot of times I'll just get an email that says, hey, you know, my, my buddy da 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 has one of your drums. I want to look into getting something similar, but I want it like this. Um, so I'd say the majority of them just come by word of mouth email and, you know, uh, through Messenger. And, um, you know, a little bit of them also come through the website, which is nice. Um but, you know, I would say the complete snare drums is probably only, you know, 25% of the business. Um, our, our raw drum shells and shells for builders is 75%. And um, all that usually comes through our website, uh, steambentdrum.com. I usually just, you know, every day I'm checking there to see, you know, who wants what. And, and that's kind of where the majority of the work comes from. Yeah. It's just being online. And I worked hard to kind of create that, that uh, very generic .com and... It worked, and I got uh, you know number one on a Google search with just having a generic name like that without paying for any SEO or anything. And, and you know now people search Steam Bend Drum, and we come up and and they order drum shells. It's it's been great. Yeah, man, yeah, that is super. So, what's the price range usually go for? Um, usually, it depends on the species of wood, but uh, some basic like our, our bread and butter maple snare drum is uh, two seventy nine. And then, you know, we, we throw in bearing edges, 25 bucks, drilling, 25 bucks, snare beds, uh, the works. So, uh, you know, when a customer gets it, they can either, you know, put a finish on it, bolt the hardware on directly, or we can finish it too, you know, and, and they can get a drum and, you know, choose the hardware and just assemble it at home. And a lot of people like doing that, feeling like they have, uh, you know, a, a part of the process, you know, mm -hmm. and they got a hand in it. Yep. Yeah, that's that's the same here. So, do, does your CMC machine have the capabilities to be able to drill the hardware too, or you do that, or you do that by hand sometimes? Uh, you know, it does. My five-axis machine can do that, but th there's no standardization I've found so far. Every customer wants a different lug. It seems like mm -hmm. so. I, I just lay them all out by hand yeah. and drill them all by hand because it changes so much. I know the big guys, you know, they're doing the same lug and they'll do them on a, a CNC machine every time. I wish we could standardize it like that, but when you're doing custom, it, it's really hard to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely see that too. And, um, so do you endorse any other, do you endorse drummers? Oh, I used to. Um, I kind of saw what SJC was doing way back in the day with, with endorsements and I went down that road. Um, I, I got some good, some big names to play our drums. Uh, Tracy Versara from Blake Shelton has one of them. Uh, David Black, he's playing with Kelly Pickler. Uh, he's with uh, Phil Vassar now. Um, there's there's a few others out there, but I found that w with the endorsement deal, it's it's kind of it, it doesn't really pan out on our end. Yeah. I feel you there too. Man. Most people won't. I mean, here's the thing: the people that love your brand enough is okay with paying it. The people that want free stuff, yeah. you know, and that's what gets me is like, why does somebody want an endorsement if they never played your stuff before? It's like everybody, you know, we get a lot of endorsement requests too. And here lately, especially if like somebody wants to, they want an endorsement with us, but never, 
never played our stuff. I mean, endorsement is when you love a product enough to say, you know what, I'm putting my stamp of approval on it. Do I love this product, regardless of what yeah. it costs? And most of the guys that that we endorse, you know, they um they they just love our product and they don't care how much it costs. You know, exactly. Yeah, and those are the customers that we love to deal with. Um, every endorsement request, usually, you know, I'll, I'll say, I'll open it up and say, you know, thanks for your interest in our brand, but we just don't do it at the moment. And, uh, yeah, it's like you said, if they really want to rep your product, they'll buy it and they'll pay what it costs. Yep, that's exactly. So, are you planning on going into the, uh, what kind of drum shows? Have you went to drum shows and are you planning on going to some? Yeah, I've, I've been to NAMM. Um, Steve at Doc Sweeney Drums, he actually let me let me uh, kind of set up a little display in the corner of his booth that he paid an arm and a leg for, so I got to thank him for that. So I did display some drums at NAMM. I believe that was uh, 2019, and I went to NAMM a couple years after that, but uh, I, I'm really disconnected from the drum show scene. I, I want to go, and I want to uh, display maybe next year, you know, at, at the Vegas drum show if they're doing it, but I hear a lot about them because... We build a lot of shells, and our customers want to know if it's going to be done in time for the show. So I know when they are, where they're at. I just need to focus on going to the movie. So when somebody buys one of your shells, does it have like a stamp inside of it with your brand on it? No, no. We we, we do completely no label at all, unless they want it labeled. Yeah. Uh, we, can, we can engrave the inside if they want everybody to know it was one of ours, but typically, no, no. They uh, they'll rebrand them, you know, put their brand name on it, whatever company it is, and and that's the way it is. And, and we're fine with that. We don't really need the the notoriety. And a lot of the brands we build for, you know, we're signing NDAs, and it, it's real important to them that uh, nobody knows we're building drums for them. So, yeah, I, I got you. You see, I see a lot of people starting to build drums, man. Have you have you noticed that here? I mean, yeah. here's like I feel like what. What we're doing here, like putting in the time, the effort to be able to, to learn how to do this stuff and figuring it out and trial and error. Because even when even when I started doing it way back when, you know, you didn't really have a lot of people doing it at that time. So there really wasn't a lot of um, knowledge on the whole technology about the, the stuff. You know, you just kind of had to figure it out on your own and see if that works. And that didn't work. And I know we've made a, a lot of changes along the way in the past 10 years of just the way we do drums and the way, and I know you guys have too. Yeah. Um, and it's just, it could definitely, um, it definitely can get pretty crazy. Yeah. It, I feel like it, it's really taken off. Like you said, a lot more people are building drums. Um, and that's kind of what inspired me to go into the, the OEM drum shells for different builders is just seeing, you know, how many drum builders there are. I, I think there's more, uh, drum builders out there than any sort of instrument builder in the world. I do um, too, for sure. Yeah, There's a lot because the shells are available, the hardware is available, and you know everybody can be a drum builder. You know, it's just all about what you want to do. So it's kind of, I figure there's a lot of competition out there. If, if you can't beat them, join them. So <laughs> we love to provide them with drum shells. <laughs> I love it, man. I love it. So, talk to me about your um, your finishes and your spray your spray your spray habits that you do. Do you do a lot of custom spray finishes like that? I I do. I, I try not to though. Um, <laughs> if, yeah, if a customer really wants me to, to finish their drum, I'll do it. But man, it takes me so much time. It takes a while and, to finish the drum. God Almighty, it does. <laughs> oh yeah, especially when you're just meticulous. Um, 
yeah, you can be hours and yeah. hours and you finish. Sometimes I, I tell them, you know, it, it's probably more man hours spraying the finish than it was building the drum. Yeah. You'd be but, like, one uh, more, you need one more coat and like, damn, another coat or something happened and a little fleck yeah. or something get on it or, and then you got to oh, do it yeah. again and that's another day and then you got to let it sit yeah. and dry and, you know. Every time, man. Uh, <laughs> but no, I, I used to just, I started out spraying lacquer. Um, and then uh, Eric over at Black Black Swamp, he he said, "Hey, you got to try this polyester out." Uh, and I'm thankful for that because it's been a, a great product, and a lot of the, the bigger brand names are using it. Um, but yeah, it's it's a catalyzed polyester. It saved us a lot of dry time because uh, this stuff is uh, rock hard in 24 hours, and then we can buff the next day. And and you know, if everything goes well, I can do a high gloss finish in a couple days. Mm. But uh, yeah, that's really saved us some time, and I've kind of found out that it's 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 becoming an industry standard as yeah. far as high gloss goes. But I always prefer to just do an oil rub finish. It it, it kind of it, it just captures the natural beauty of the wood. You can still see the pores, um, and it's it's just much easier for us to do. So I, I try and do those when I can. Yeah, that's why I like stickers with distress finishes. <laughs> oh, your distress finishes are awesome. Uh, yeah, man. It's, it's when you start getting a high gloss or something like that. They don't, people don't realize you can literally you can build a drum. The time it takes to do a, a gloss or, or 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 a high gloss finish, you know, it's it's really insane. Yeah, it is. And you know, on our website, we charge 150 for the finish, and uh, customers will go, "That's too much." I go, "I know, but man, I, I'm putting every bit of that into it, so it's it's tough." But uh, I gotta say, I love your distress finishes. I also love the look of your drums, where it looks like you did a wire brush, kind of to dig the grain out and make it deeper, yep. or something like that. That yep. is just one of my favorites of yours. <laughs> Appreciate it, man. Yeah, we go in and just carve it out and make it look all kind of. And that's 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 the thing. I mean, that's the whole brand. That that's the reason why I started, man. Like way back when, it's just like that whole reclaimed rustic feel. I mean, it never saw that. I just I, and I love the way it looked, you know. And it's just. Um, and it just, I just, I still do it to this day, man. It's, it's, it's really, it's really super fun, you know. Um, I tell you what, I've actually really kind of gotten where I love to do is just, I like doing the video edits, man. The video edits and, and um, putting all of it together in a video form. You know, that's been so much fun for me. Oh my gosh. Yeah, your videos are awesome. I, I watch them on Instagram Live, man, and you do really good with social media. I, I wish I was as good as you with social. Bro, media. you're looks, killing it, man. It's awesome. <laughs> I, I, I need to break out of the box I'm in, but you've you've done that, and uh, yeah, you're you're really uh, kind of creating a story for people to follow. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm telling you, man, I was really worried about it at first, man. I was worried about what people were gonna think and what people were gonna say because everybody's got an opinion, and I and I come to the conclusion that no matter what I do, I'm not gonna please everybody, and there's gonna be haters, there's gonna be people that love, it, people that hate it. Whatever, I'm just going forward. What does what makes me happy, man? Because I'm telling you, man, I, there's been a lot of a lot a lot of deaths here going on here lately with people that are really close to me dying, and I'm just Jeez. like, man, you know, I want to live every single day, man, and just really do what makes me happy. And I'm I'm telling you, man, I'm slowing down, and I'm just really taking in each thing that I'm doing. I'm, you know, as far as I mean, for the past, you know, three years, it seems like, you know, when we was doing the drums for Guitar Center Musician's Friend, you know, just banking out drums, banking out drums, just go, 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 go. But I'm just slow down. I'm slow down, man. And, like, right now I'm building, like, a drum out of this old piano. And wow. guys sending me all kinds of bunch of different cool parts to do. And I'm just cutting it down, using this part. And some of it's kind of cool because some of that piano is ply. 
And I was able to um, cut it and angle it and, you know, and basically just glue it. Just like, because that's all ply is, is just a like a ply stave kind of thing. And, man, really, really, really cool stuff. And it's, you know, super stable. And I'm trying to just do anything like that, man. It's, it's working out pretty good. Good deal. Yeah. I noticed how many free pianos there are on Craigslist. <laughs> you know, you I think... had a customer actually say, you got to build a drum out of a piano, but yeah, it, it would be a good idea. I mean, I, I'm glad you're doing it. Yeah, man. It'd be, it'd be fun. Um, do you think you could steam bend some of, steam bend some of that wood? Yeah. As long as it's solid wood. So what about the old heart pine? Like, the old do you think that would sting bent like the um you know that some of the old the old pine because i found that old heart pine is so brittle like it's, yeah. it's really old and it's kind of brittle um do you yeah. think it would bend well i don't know for a fact but i have bent uh cedar and i have bent um the pine that grows up here i'm, I'm in the northwest and it doesn't bend the best, but if you found the right piece, you know, with no knots and just straight grain, uh, there, there's a chance, but you never really know until you try. Yeah, man. Yes. Yes. Well, i tell you one thing, bro. I'm super inspired by what you're doing, and I love it the fact that, you know, you're paving your own way too, man. You're going out there, and you're setting the pace, and you're not really – and that's the thing too. I love it when I see innovative like this and just – with, with people just going out, doing something completely different, and making it work, you know, because you got to just try it. You got to just try it and see if something stick. Like, I'm not doing things some of the way I used to do it. I'm changing. I'm, in a, you know, I'm kind of growing and making changes along the way, you know? Yeah. And that's kind of yeah, why that's... I felt like doing this podcast thing, too, because, you know, I'm meeting so many drum builders and drummers and just people just, they really want to know about this kind of stuff. And, you know, and I just feel like it's a, I think the drum community as a whole is amazing because, you know, for the most part, people ain't that. The drum builders that are actually in business like that, they're not trying to undercut one another. They're not trying to talk smack about the other person. They generally... um with success and hope the other person does well what i've noticed you know yeah Yeah, no it's the builders are are all really nice and uh yeah i I, like i like i was telling uh one of these guys the other day i haven't met a drum builder i don't like you know everybody's been great yeah to me i've I've had no issues in the industry and you know i've had products flop and and been through all that too and, and you just get support along the way it's amazing yeah man yeah man um yeah um let's think here what else man we can talk about um (laughs) i was wanting to ask you a question yeah whenever whenever that time comes go ahead yeah let's do it yeah so so you're out getting this heart pine how do you go about finding these old houses and you know what's the acquisition process like to, to get your material that's super aggravating sometimes because to get an old house a lot of the times the the, the owners they want you to clean up the whole house like you got to take everything down the chimney you know get rid of the mess clean it all up but once you do all that man you got some really cool stuff and um, a lot of times with people like Facebook and so a lot of people will message me just like on Facebook or something. Um, they'll send me an email, um, you know, saying that they got this or got that. And they'll say, a lot of times they'll give it to me or they'll want a little bit of money for it. It just really depends. Um, we've tore down so many houses in the past. I've got pretty good bit of wood still. Um, 
but it has to go through like a whole a huge amount of steps you know i found like when you're doing like the heart pine you know especially like heart pine stave you know that's definitely to me that was that's the hardest to work with the heart pine stave because it's just it's so dry and it's brittle and it can break easy so what i've been doing is actually laminating the heart pine you know in like either three sections or two sections and laminating and then making my staves on top of that you know like laminating that way you've got the strength of uh it's a lot stronger as far as the you know because sometimes the heart pie man it's just got it's just old and it's been through a lot but man it sounds amazing it does sound amazing but it's more time to get it um to to get it to where it needs to be you know and i definitely like the humidity because it's so wet here in georgia you know the humidity is so wet so if we send um Cause you're in uh, uh, Utah, right? Uh, North Idaho is where Idaho. I'm in. The shops in Spokane. We're, we're right on the state line of Idaho and Washington. Uh, okay, so it's kind of probably it's kind of probably dry, a little drier over there, right? Yeah. So here is you know a lot of times what happens like if I was to send a stave drum from here to over there, a lot of times what happen it will just like I said it'll move, and, and I go through it intense drying process now with heart pine. Oh my gosh, I over dry it. I really do, especially. Because what happens if it gets set up in a studio, and you know all this, I know you found this route the hard way, but if you get a, a studio situation and it's, you know, wood moves, it expands and contracts. I've had a, I've even had a shell, you know, move three-eighths of an inch in diameter before. Yeah. <clears throat> it's crazy. You wouldn't think it would, but you could. it will move, yeah. like, massive. It, it can happen, yeah, that's... Uh, a lot of guys say, you know, you want your humidity around 35%. I, I like my shop as, as low of humidity as possible, like 15%. That way you can just be assured that there's no moisture left in that wood. Yeah. You know, when it leaves your shop. And it's tough, tough to keep it uh, in that range. But, yeah, it's, man, wood does what it wants. But there's there's a reason why we're using it to build these things. It's, <laughs> it's got a unique sound to it. Yeah, man, I'm on a kick with walnut, man. Right now, it kind of changes. My my passion kind of my heart changes to what you know as far as the wood type. Right now, I'm loving black walnut. I don't know what it is about yeah. it, the way it smells when it mills. I'm just um, yeah, I'm in love with that right now. I love it too, and it's unfortunate because it's been harder and harder to come across. Uh, you know, since the the pandemic and you know the mills being closed. Uh, I, I just sourced a big piece of it yesterday. I had to go out to this arborist, you know, and, and uh, pick through his slabs. But yeah, man, I'm, I'm having a hard time getting it up here. And um, I'm about to go take a uh, tour of Oregon and just, you know, bring my truck and trailer and, and pick up as much walnut as I can because it's it grows like crazy down there. Huh? Yeah, that would be so much fun. I would love to do that. I would love for you to come to Georgia sometime, man. I definitely got a place for you to stay, and we could definitely do a lot of drum, cool drum stuff, man. That'd be awesome. Yeah, I've only been over that way once. Yeah. So I need to get back. Yes, it's fixing just really nice right now, man. I mean, I was literally thinking about opening up the pool today and going swimming. I mean, it's I think it's about eighty something degrees right now outside. It's it's really oh, wow. nice, nice for sure. Yeah, it's about. 40 degrees here if that the snow's melting so we still got ice on the water out here (laughs) cool man oh my gosh dude um you got any more questions for me um you know i'm i'm real i'm real impressed with you you said you laminate the wood together and uh that's that's an awesome technique 
I just wanted to comment on it. I had to do that too. And, uh, it was, it was for this project I was doing called the Ironside Snare Drums. We, we sourced this wood, um, that was dug up at the old, uh, Charleston port. And it was, it's live oak from the, uh, surplus of wood that they used to repair, uh, old Ironsides, the old warship. Oh, yeah, and, and I bought a lot of this wood from this guy. He charged me an arm and a leg, and it, and it came in, and it was just so unstable. It wanted to crack and split, and I had to do the same thing you're talking about. You just you laminate it up, um, you know, face it right, and then cut your staves out of that. And, man, it was like a night and day difference. So kudos on that. Yeah, it'll definitely make a drum more stable. Yeah, that's the only way to do it, man. That's the only way to do it. That makes it so strong is when you land. That's what, that's how plies are, is laminated pieces together, you know. Um, it's, it really works really, really good. We're doing, we're doing, we're doing a lot of pine like that right now. I'm working on a new six lug pine drum like that where we just get thin pieces of pine, glue them together, and then cut staves out of it. <clears throat> and so I'm getting the stability I'm really liking the stability that I'm getting because it don't move and it's very strong and we're only using six lugs. <laughs> yeah, that would be a nice bright sounding drum. I mean, people think about six lug drums. They're like, oh, that's too cheap. You only got six lugs instead of 10 or eight. But I'm like, oh my God, six lugs. Now they're going to be different. You know, you're not going to be able to ha sound the same as a 10 lug. It's not going to sound the same as a six lug. The six lug is going to be more open. There's going to be less contact with the shell you know, and, and I just, I don't know. I'm in love with six lug drums right now, man. That's, uh, that's just where I'm at with it. I like that. Yeah. I get a lot of customers who, who they're diehard 10 luggers. That's all they want. And I try and talk them into an eight because eights, it's just a lighter drum. It breathes more. Mm -hmm. Um, and I can't even imagine what a six would be like. That's gotta be real, real it's, expressive drum it's, sound. It's really open, especially if you put just a thicker head on there, like a little thicker head with a six lug. Um, you can really get some really nice sounds out of it. You know, it just kind of calms it down a little bit, depending on, um, depending on that stuff right there. So your hardware, man. I mean, I, <clears throat> tell me about your hardware. Um, World Max, uh, Drum Fractor Direct, that kind of stuff. You think? Yeah. Um, because we do so few complete builds, you know, I I've gone uh, you know directly overseas to get it in the past, and. Um, you know, we don't even meet the minimum order requirements to do that anymore. So when I get a customer who wants a complete drum, I'll just go straight to Drum Factory Direct or, you know, World Max or uh, because of the shortage we've had on hoops lately, uh, Cardinal Percussion, they actually have a lot of the stuff in stock too. Hmm. Um, so between those three, yeah, I mean, you, usually you can you can get really good quality hardware. Yeah, yeah, the same, same here, same here. So hardware, just I mean, I don't know if people don't realize, but like for me to build a, a three-piece drum kit, the hardware is like over nine hundred dollars for the hardware. Oh, yeah, I mean, people don't realize that. And they're like, well, man, I can buy a drum set for six. Well, that's what you need to do. <laughs> but exactly, I'm telling you, hardware is so freaking expensive right now on these drums, man. That's that's what gets you right there. That's what every time, man. The hardware, hardware, hardware. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a big constraint, especially when a customer wants like die cast on a snare drum. You know, it's like, oh shoot, I'm I'm almost 190 bucks into two hoops there. <laughs> Once they get here with shipping, so yep, yep, man, yeah, the die cast could be a killer. Um, luckily, you know, the hardware is one thing. Uh, heads and snare wires, we got a, a good deal worked out with Evans, and uh, they've extended their 
the best pricing to us, you know, so now we do pure sound and Evan's heads, which has been great. So they, they really helped us out there. But yeah, the hardware, man, it, it can be a tough one. Yeah, it definitely does. And then you know this too, and I don't want to get back into it, but I, it's, you know, as far as when you got to do all the, um, your website stuff, do you do all that or you hire somebody to do that for you? Um, I, I currently do it all now. I had somebody doing it and it didn't work out. Yeah. So now, um, I set it all up. I update it. I've, I've, I built the page myself and yeah, doing it all. Yeah, man. The hats that you wear to do this is amazing. I know, especially the CNC stuff on it. Cause I, I, that, that's a lot. That's a lot of trial and error and a lot of getting down there, figuring it out, man. It is. Yeah. A lot, a lot of time spent not building drums <laughs> when, you're, when you're behind on orders. I can't wait to get my hands on one of these things, and we should totally do some sort of a collaboration one day, man, and uh, do a, do an um, an outlaw. I don't know. We'll figure out something. We'll fix you, brother. Thank you so much for being on the show with me, man. Oh my gosh, uh, you're amazing. I wish you just so much success and um, all the positive vibes going your way, man. Just keep doing what you're doing. Hey, thanks a lot, Michael, and uh, same to you, man. And keep it up. You've, you've done great building this brand up, and. Man, I, I get excited seeing your, your videos every time. You know, I love watching them. Yes, just want to say thank you for listening to another episode of The Process. Um, just a quick reminder, we're going to be doing a six-lug drum special. 14-inch in diameter, six lugs. We're doing those. we got the Outlaw Felons going on. Now. These are the Outlaw Felon Beaters. Basically, these beaters are very, very unique, and there's no two one of them alike. They're all different. Um customizable different sizes different weights different woods just good good stuff man i just want to encourage everybody to keep drumming keep staying positive keep practicing and focus on the solution not the problem a lot of the times man it's easy to be focusing on the problem so much that it just gets worse and worse you know forget the problem focus on the solution and figure it out you got this till next time your host, Michael Allen. want to say congratulations to nick lane he just won an outlaw drums felon beater brand new one we're going to be doing a random giveaway on each one of these podcast shows it's going to be tucked away somewhere in the episode and you gotta hang around to listen to see who wins and nick lane message me right now i got a beater headed your way a custom outlaw drums beater thank you again brother